I don't wanna. I'd rather not. I wanna, um... Hang on a second, let me pull it up. I wanna, uh... Call out my friend Brandon. Who I love, normally. But, uh, this is all on him. Oh, okay. Saturday at 2 o'clock... <laughs> When Maryland was up 10 nothing on Ohio State. Oh, man, it was looking great. Sends the following text. OMG, it's all happening. Baltimore is going to explode, LOL. And at 2.07 p.m., do you see the response that I sent him? Do you see what that says back? Yeah. Cart, cart and horse and everything. Yeah, cart and horse. Like, we're not doing this. I, I said on Friday... This is this is the problem with being me. The Virgo. The impending doom thing. When I was plugging Project Game Day, thank you all for joining us last night for Project Game Day. When I was plugging it on Friday, I said, we could be talking about one of the great days in Baltimore sports. Or we could be talking about one of the worst. Because when you're a Virgo, there's nothing... Maybe it's not just the Virgo in me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe there are other Virgos who are very different. But when you're me, there's no nothing surprising. You don't get surprised. You don't get stunned all that much because you have prepared for every possible outcome. People talk to me about this. Like, why are you so... I show up to do the Tyus Bowser show on Tuesdays, and I am on edge. Everybody's like, you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, we don't get it. In my mind, I am running through any possible scenario that could go wrong. It's it's overwhelming. I I obviously should be seeing a therapist about it, but instead, they give me a two-hour internet radio show. Three-hour, half the time. I show up on Tuesday, and all I'm thinking about is like, what if this person doesn't show up? What if for some reason an asteroid uh, falls right here, and we're responsible for a football player not being available because an asteroid hit our show. Like, I th those things. So on Saturday, when my idiot friend, who's not even a Baltimore sports fan, and that's why it pissed me off all the more, like, shut up, guy. When he's like, man, everything's happening. No, jackass. I love you. But I didn't love you on Saturday, <laughs> and I don't love you today. I'll love you again tomorrow. Maybe. We'll see. Um, there's no getting around it. Today sucks. This weekend sucked. All right. We'll see you guys tomorrow. That's been Glenn Clark Radio. My column. The weekend sucks. See ya. See if we feel better. There's no getting around it. It was just as awful as it could ever possibly be, and I, I can't paint a rosier picture i can't tell you that i believe the orioles are going to crawl out of this hole i don't believe that now is it impossible of course it's not impossible uh, were they the best road team in baseball this year yep they were the best road team in baseball this year i i, I hope for the best do you have any faith in whatever combo of kyle gibson and dean kramer it's going to be do, do you Again, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be sitting down and watching the game and and hoping for the best and and wanting to be wrong. Of course that's the way I want this to go. 
but I can't bamboozle you into thinking that I believe it's likely. I don't. I don't believe it's likely. I, I think that the epilogue show that we ultimately do whenever the season ends, it's going to cover all the things that we're feeling in the moment. Now, hopefully, and this is the nature of sports, things can change. And in the same way that when I tell you as a Virgo, I consider all of the bad, I also consider the good. Like, I'll be prepared for the possibility. I just don't, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't be betting on it. I don't think that's extraordinary. They got to go on the road and win two games of their season on the line, and they can't pitch. I don't think I'm saying anything out of turn here. I'm worried about the Ravens, too. I'm worried it's more esoteric, right, because their EPA is still very good. The, the statistics suggest the Ravens are a very good football team. What they don't suggest is that they're a very good offense, and that's really disappointing. I still think that yesterday is more likely to go into the it was a goofy day where a bunch of bizarre things occurred. Now, these were all self-inflicted. You got to catch the football. You have to effing catch the... You have to catch the football. You have to catch the football. I mentioned my friend Brandon. He's actually a Steelers fan, of all things. Mm. And was like, dude, the, the Steelers just have Lamar Jackson's number. And I'm like, did you watch the football game? Did you watch the game? Like, I I cannot believe it was the same thing, like, on the broadcast. They said something like, uh, well, you know, the Steelers' defense. Like, the, no! The Steelers' defense didn't do... I was about to say... You know what? I'm, I don't, maybe I will cuss today. Rita was letting it fly on game day last night. She even got one out of me. Whoa. Well, she came, yeah. out, she came out hot. She got out of Femi. Steve Johnson was yeah. like, what, what show did I sign up to do? What is this? Thank you to Femi and to Steve Johnson. Uh, and if you missed any of Project Game Day, you can find it right now. Um, Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or go to GlennClarkRadio.com, and it's linked there. Um, we do it every game day. We did a very special one yesterday, the combined Orioles-Ravens game day. I, I hope that there might be an opportunity to do another one of those at some point in the future, but um, more likely we will be chatting with you at 1230 or so on Sunday afternoon. This coming week, after the Ravens play the Titans in London, Project Game Day brought to you by A.J. Michaels, Superbook Sports, and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org, PressBoxOnline.com slash Game Day to find out more. Um, the, the, the Steelers didn't do a damn thing other than when the game was on the line. When the game was on the line, they made plays. For 56 minutes... They watched as the Ravens kept saying, you guys want to win this one? Can we just let you go ahead and do it? And then, for their credit, at the end, they made the plays. I'm concerned about a team that continues to fail to deal with adversity. I'm concerned about this being in their DNA now. The Colts game wasn't a blown... You know, one of the things we talked about last year before Lamar Jackson got hurt when the game still mattered was how many blown double-digit leads they had. Yesterday, would we can add to that list. The Colts game isn't the same. They never had a double-digit lead in that game. But it's a similar concept, right? It's that this team regularly has struggled 
when adversity has hit. I don't know how to define that. I don't know who to say is particularly at fault. It's easy to say, well, that's on John Harbaugh, and I'll write about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. I'll probably be inclined to agree that ultimately the buck stops at John Harbaugh, but can I prove that? Is it on and not enough, there not being enough player leadership on the field in these moments? I, I can't I can't answer these questions. I don't know that because it's not something that can be defined. There's no one individual known answer or fix or solution to this. It's a problem that is in part esoteric. But failing to handle adversity as a football team over and over again, they do well when they're front runners. The Texans game, they weren't really threatened, right? The Bengals game, they were hardly threatened. The Browns game, they weren't threatened even a little bit. They're fine. But when they face adversity, when things go wrong, it just spirals. It, and it, it's there's no way to understand it. When things go wrong, they go to S. When things go wrong, they come unglued. Everything goes wrong. Even the things that are working start to. Lamar Jackson was brilliant yesterday. Until everything had gone wrong. And then, when they badly needed, just don't F it up. Here's the ball on the eight-yard line. Just don't F it up. It's, it's impossible how things go this wrong. Like, you almost have to try to have them go as wrong as they do. And it all started yesterday, the first time adversity hit. The first moment was when Justice Hill fumbled the ball. Everything was fine. They weren't threatened at all. I have the numbers. Uh, when Justice Hill fumbled, the Ravens led the game 10-0, and they had outgained the Steelers 192-63. to It was one-sided. It was one-way traffic. And despite all of the drops already... When Justice Hill fumbled the ball, there was every reason to believe that they were on their way to a comfortable victory. From that point forward, they were, of course, outscored 17-0 and outgained 223-143 after gaining 192 yards in a quarter and two-thirds or so. Not even quite two-thirds. A little bit more than a quarter and a half. They gained 143 yards the rest of the game. Adversity sinks this team. They crumble. The uh, I, look, man. I'm if you're wasting your breath on the you're gonna fire John Harbaugh just for God's sakes, God, please. I don't. When people say go touch grass. Like, go for a hike today. Go do something nice with your life. You're screaming into a void. And, and it's it's oddly deeper than that. I see this all the time on social media. Like, these people have created some world where it, it's, it's QAnon. 
it's either you believe my conspiracy theories or you're a psychopath. You want to have a John Harbaugh conversation? Let's have it. This, if it doesn't change immediately, will doom not only the Ravens, but will bring about the end of John Harbaugh's tenure in Baltimore. The fire the coach when you're 3-2, and two, when you're sitting here with a, in whatever world you live in, with a 3-2 and two football team, and you believe that they could walk in and fire their 16th-year Super Bowl-winning head coach. You are living on a fantasy planet. But you want the appropriate response? The appropriate response is, if this continues, if this doesn't get fixed, if this is the difference in the Ravens accomplishing their goals, then that conversation's going to be had. There's going to be no hiding from it. This is the definition of inexcusable. We can get into what happened at the end of the first half. We can have a complete conversation about it. Because truth be told, in, in football circles, someone would say, why wouldn't you line up and try to draw them off sides? Why wouldn't you at least see if you can get a free five yards? And then we can have a debate eternally about Tyler Linderbaum and... Who ordered the code red, and does he have the right to make the decision upon himself to say, we think we can get an offsides call here? To be fair, obviously in this situation, the only way you can get the offsides call without snapping the ball is if someone comes through and makes contact. So what are the rules in those situations? Is is what you... is is Did Tyler Linderbaum go completely off the reservation? Or was it a poorly coached and poorly prepared situation when everybody knows that the only thing you should do is if you think someone jumped, you should stand up? That's the easy answer, right? The easy answer is if you think someone jumped, then you stand up to try to draw it. Because if you don't get it, then the worst case scenario is you're backed up five yards and you still kick the field goal. So how did that happen? Because sometimes things are just the player's fault. It's silly that we're even having a John Harbaugh conversation today when the answer of what actually happened in the football game is pretty clear. They didn't catch a ball! Well, they didn't catch seven, eight of them, something like that? Seven of them that were clear drops. Mm -hmm. And then there was a trip and, you know. Then add the other ones to the list. That's what happened yesterday. That's the story. Now, because of that, we're having conversations about other things that occurred. Truthfully, I don't even know why they were doing that in that. But there were 20 seconds left when they would have snapped. When the ball was snapped, there were 20 seconds left in the half. Even if Tyler Linderbaum gets the Steelers offsides, you're at the 18-yard line with one timeout remaining in 20 seconds. What is the likelihood that you're converting it? And I'm not saying you don't, at least if that were to happen, I still think you attempt to throw the ball to the end zone, but you're in a very unlikely-to-convert spot. You can't really use the middle of the field because if you do, you have to call your final timeout. You're kind of forced just going to the end zone. 
it is a it might be a it should have been a low risk situation to do that like there's no world in which Tyler Linderbaum should have snapped the ball there should have been no risk but there's no real reward either we can debate that thought process eternally ultimately I don't think it was the story of the game. The story of the game was they couldn't catch a football, and then it spiraled into them just turtling up. They have to prove that's not who they are. Because right now it is. When Patrick Queen, after the game, is going on, I'm sick of it. Same old story. He's right. They've dealt with this dating back to last season when the game still mattered. This is who the Ravens have become. There's there's no excuse for it. And I I don't know what to do about the wide receiver thing. I, I think we all allowed ourselves, because the standard had been so low, we allowed ourselves to get carried away about what had happened. We pretended like the Ravens had made dramatic sweeping upgrades at wide receiver instead of talking about what Odell Beckham really was. Not what he used to be, what he really was. And that these were two late first-round wide receivers. These were not top-of-the-first-round, undeniable superstar wide receivers. And we had seen plenty of talent, Rashad Bateman. I don't know what's going on there. It ain't right, that's for sure. It's not right. I can't speak to it, but we did. We allowed ourselves to get carried away like they had rolled out some combination of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, when that was never the actual case. These guys have a long way to go. We were wrong. The bigger thing we were wrong about, it ain't close to the best receiver room in Ravens history. And that's a low bar. That's the sad part about what we've learned five weeks in. We thought the bar was so low that it was easy to say this was the best receiver room in Ravens history. We're five weeks in, and at the moment, it doesn't even meet that. And that is not much of a standard. Coming up in a bit, we will um, we'll get to our slaps of the helmet. It does feel like an unfair day to ask for there to be two defensive players on the list, but rules are rules. Get me yours at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Pick five Ravens, most deserving of scorn for their performance. Two must be offensive players, two must be defensive players. The fifth can be a special teams player, a coach, or another offensive or defensive player, whoever you'd like. Rank them five to one. Tweet me at Glenn Clark Radio with your lists for slaps to the helmet. We'll get to them a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Gabe Lax from USA Today is going to join us here momentarily. Um, He is covering, of course, this series between the Orioles and the Rangers coming up a little bit later on this morning. Jeremy Kahn will check in with us also this morning. We will chat with uh, Kadri Ismail, get his thoughts on a disastrous day. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. I did see that the line was already out for week six. Ravens in London taking on the Titans, and despite a disastrous performance yesterday, 
They are still favored. The number actually has come down slightly. They are favored by three and a half points. So if you feel a way about that, go over to Superbook.com, download the Superbook app. When you sign up, use the code GlennClark23, and when you do, you will receive up to $250 in a same-day first bet match, win or lose. So you love the Ravens at minus 3.5. You put 200 bucks on it. You might come away uh, something like $205 richer. And you'd still have $200 worth of free bets. But even if you were to lose, you'd have $200 worth of free bets waiting for you. Again, if you use the code GlennClark23 and sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Wasn't much super about uh, the weekend for the Baltimore Orioles. Joining us now, he is uh, Ben in Baltimore, of course, covering the American League Division Series between the Orioles and Rangers. He is USA Today MLB writer Gabe Lax, and he is with us now here on GCR. Gabe, it's Glenn. It's good to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been an interesting series so far. Not not great for Baltimore, but uh, compelling entertainment nonetheless. I was going to say, has it though, Gabe? Has it been an interesting <laughs> series? I don't know how I feel about it necessarily, but I'll be willing to listen to you. Um, look, I, this is a difficult spot to be in, obviously. Everybody can point out the fact that the Orioles, of course, were the best road team in baseball this season, that the Orioles have been up against the, every time they have been challenged this year. They have responded um, you know, you can point out that, frankly, just a couple weekends ago, the Rays won the first two games of a series and looked like they were going to completely shift the story of the American League East as they had tied atop the standings at that point, and the Orioles responded to win the next two. There, there's been there's a lot of things you could point to to try to feel good, but ultimately, I, I, how good can you feel if you're the Baltimore Orioles and you're going to have to throw some combination of Kyle Gibson and, you know, Dean Kramer over the next two games with your season on the line? Yeah, it's it's very difficult, and uh, you know, it's sometimes you just run into a team that has found a groove, and in the uh, in the microscope of of the playoffs and the very short sample that you're dealing with, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. I mean, you know, the, you look at, at some of Grayson Rodriguez's walks that he issued; he, he wasn't missing by very much at all. You know, uh, really tough lineup to pitch to. Uh, obviously there's no excuse for walking 11 guys that, uh, you know, I'm sure that's just got to eat up, uh, Brandon Hyde and, and his staff and, and just, you know, like, gosh, what happened to our guys at the same time, uh, one through nine right now, uh, the, the Texas Rangers, just a really difficult team to pitch to. And initially, you know, the two things that can kind of come and go, uh, in the playoffs are you know, hitting and uh, and bullpens. Bullpens can catch fire the same way a lineup can catch fire, and uh, it's just kind of wild to see the guys that uh, that that the Rangers have trotted out, and they're they're getting the job done, looking almost dominant at times. Uh, and you know, Bruce Bochy, just an absolute Hall of Fame manager, has pushed the buttons at the right times. So that's just put them in in a hole. And even still, they're. You know they're not far off. Uh, game one was was just a baseball game. Yeah. You know the couple decisions you might be able to nitpick, uh, and then obviously you know they pitched their way out of it in game two. Yet even still, kind of show the trademark you know 2022-23 Orioles fight there, and and even you know prompted them to bring the closer into the game. So just uh, you know you, you look at it, uh, you know if you look at it from the Orioles' perspective, you're thinking how much of it is us and how much of it is them. 
I think the really the only us part of it was the the eleven walks they issued, and then the rest of it is just you know these you know the, the Rangers are playing so well right now. So let me let me cover a couple of things, Gabe, because as you alluded to decision making, there's been a lot that uh, Brandon Hyde has been criticized about after you know of course he was the manager of the year this season during the regular season. I, I the only one to me that I I can really call him out for like I, the Brian Baker thing is is bat s insane to me. Like I I cannot fathom knowing how flimsy everything was in the moment. And it being a 5-2 game and you desperately having to keep it close, I cannot fathom going to a pitcher that you trusted so little he wasn't even on the team down the stretch. Um, I, I know that they were in hell and they had had to use a ton of pitchers, but I, you, you, I can't – that one I, – we can I, we can have conversations about pooling Bradish. It worked out. You know, the, the Carter been over against lefties. I understand the decision, although he ended up walking. They still got out of it. With Cologne, we can debate the pinch hitting with Frazier thing. We can debate the, you know, obviously what happened with the hit and run in the ninth inning. But I think those are all fair. I cannot get around the idea of putting Brian Baker in that game yesterday. It's insane to me. And it kind of goes back as well to, uh, you know, what the decision to have him on the roster, uh, just because he, you know, he went. When he was in Norfolk, he didn't pitch well, and maybe there's not much to be read into those results. Maybe he was just throwing for the sake of throwing. But yeah, no, it's uh, it was a. I think the one thing that that gets me is uh, just the fact that um, you know two days in a row uh, the ball ended up in the hands of Jacob Webb in some key spots, uh, which and you know he's he you know the Orioles really found something with him, kind of a classic reclamation project. He pitched really well for them, but ultimately. Uh, the last 16 games of the season, he had a 5-4-0 ERA. So uh, to me, you know, he was a guy that maybe shouldn't have been so, uh, you know, within the circle of trust so early in a high leverage situation and in a game. So I think, and, you know, I mean, you know, if, if this doesn't go well for the Orioles, you know, Brandon Hyde is going to think about all of this stuff all winter. You know, it, it can't help but torture you. I know the, the fans will certainly have already done the same, will do the same. I think, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, you know, maybe you flip things around, you you know, game one, you get the Cologne to, to, to get out of that inning and, and get Bradish off the hook. And then maybe then, because it's still a close game, then you go to Tyler Wells, then you go to D.O. Hall, and you try to kind of keep, uh, you know, keep them down, keep the leverage close, keep things in your favor, and, and maybe you crawl crawl back there. But uh, yeah, the, just the, the fact that uh, if this goes, you know, does not go their way, they lose 3-0, they lose 3-1, and you look back and, and think, you know, Jacob Webb was a factor and, you know, Yinier Cano was not uh, just, you know, that's a name, <laughs> one guy who, who wasn't utilized at a certain, certain times. You know, that's that's tough. And uh, and when things go haywire, you, 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 you know, you make decisions and they, they don't backfire. But, yeah, I, and sadly enough, too, the, the Baker situation, you – Kind of go back and think. Well, if John Means' elbow wasn't barking, oh, no then uh, he probably wouldn't be on the roster. So, and if John Means' elbow wasn't barking, he'd be starting Game Three, and he'd still have a pretty good bit of hope because then it's Framer and Gibson for four, and then it's uh, you know going back to Bradish for Game Five. So, like that's that's a pretty decent little bit of hope even down 2-0 right now. And, and uh, you know, the, right now, obviously, you know. Game three, all hands on deck. Game four, a huge question mark. Uh, you know, do they do they need to use Gibson and Kramer both 
to win three. We'll find that out. So. And, and that's, but yeah, I, yeah. It, Gabe, it's, you bring that up because I, the question I was going to ask is who you starting in game three. And to your point, look, it is, you've reached the point when you're facing elimination, it truly is all hands on deck and you'll solve game four when you have to solve game four, but you still have to go to one of them first. And I'm hard pressed to believe that you're going to find your way through without one starting pitcher in this group stepping up and delivering in some sort of capacity. And I'm even being measured about that. Like, I, a five-inning start would be heroic at this moment. Um, who do and you – that's the way it goes in the postseason. You yeah. Know, it's, it, everything, it's, you know, I mean, as, you know, Jordan Montgomery pitched pretty well, you know, did not get out of the fifth inning. Andrew Haney could not give them five, you know. So it's – yeah, it's just you you take what you can get and 15 outs looks like a gold mine right now. Um, so who do you turn to if you're Brandon Hyde for game three? Who do you put out there first and hope he's got a- at least five innings in him to try to turn the tide in this series? I think you turn to Gibson just because of how he has shown late in the season, just because of the, you know, the veteran experience, uh, Kramer, you know, Kramer might, might have done well with this little reset here with this week off, you know, maybe his stuff will play up again, but I just, I just imagine I imagine Kramer playing a little better out of the bullpen as well. If suddenly you tell Dean Kramer, hey, you know, you don't need to claw your way to 90 pitches and, and five, six innings. Just go hard. Give us two, three innings. You know, that I'm intrigued. That was my thought going into the going into the playoffs. So when when John Means was, was going to be a thing is the fact that that Kramer might be a really intriguing multi inning relief guy. Well, okay, now we're in this spot, and uh, so maybe you go to Gibson, and and maybe you try to deploy Kramer that way, either in game three because you have to, or game four. The other thing too is like you know the those guys did all those guys pitched a, a fair amount these first two games. I know they have a day off, uh, but at the same time, you know Tyler Wells going back to back for I think just the second time this year. Uh, you know, so then suddenly you're. You know, of course you would want to pitch him in game three, but then you're suddenly asking him to go three out of four. You know, that's so that's a little bit tricky. So, uh, you know, the day off will help, but uh, at the same time, yeah, they, they need innings desperately from, you know, from Gibson, from Kramer, maybe both of them just to uh, just to get past this game three. Um, Gabe, I feel like the other conversation that's being had throughout baseball, and I, I don't even I don't like doing this here because you got to play the baseball games. You had two games at home. Um, against the team you were better than this year, you lost. But the conversation about, you know, if Major League Baseball is going to reconsider because of all the success we have seen of teams who played in this wild card series while other teams have been sitting around, and maybe that, that changes. Maybe tonight both the Braves and Dodgers win and this conversation gets quieter. But what do you make of that and just sort of how loud that conversation has gotten at this point? Yeah, I, I'm not a big rest versus rust kind of guy. <laughs> you know, like a, you always take the buy when you can. You know, you, you always advance around when they hand it to you. Um, you know, it, I mean, the, the wild card series does look pretty sketchy. You know, it's it's two games. You know, how quickly has this best of five gone by? You know, like, wow, we're, you know, the Orioles are down 2-0. Boom, this thing's almost over. You know, the, the wild card series is 100 times faster than that. And, you know, you can certainly ask uh, – the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays about that. Uh, you know, maybe there's some conversation to be had about reseeding. Uh, you know, maybe there's some conversation to be had about, um, you know, even as kind of silly as it is, 
you know, the top seed being able to pick who they play. Uh, and the one thing I go back to is uh, the 2021, the uh, San Francisco Giants won 107 games. The L.A. Dodgers won 106 games. They ended up playing each other in the division series, which was insane. It was five games. It was, uh, you know, as much of a knockdown drag out as you could have imagined. Max Scherzer had to close game five, and then he got injured, wasn't available for the NLCS. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not necessarily that equitable uh, right now. Uh, and I think the one thing, too, that uh, that also doesn't help is, the random day off that they have in the in the NL, which I know is how they've structured things yeah, before, but that's a that's just a huge huge adv- advantage for the Phillies because they should be, you know, they should be kind of dinged up right now because they had to play two games. They had to use Wheeler and Nola to beat the Marlins. Now suddenly you break serve against Strider and and credit to them they did, and suddenly you have Wheeler and Nola uh, in games two and three. You know, it's uh, it's almost like there was no disadvantage to them at all, and uh, and the Braves of 104 wins are on the ropes. So, it's it's not perfect. Uh, you know, let's let's be honest. The the wild card round is basically made for television. <laughs> it's uh, it's made for ESPN. It rewards some really mediocre 84 win teams. You know, you know, the Diamondbacks couldn't even win a game the last week into the season. They're you know suddenly in a, in a really good spot. I really thought the one game wild card was a was a really good format because then you're you're not sitting around too much when you're the top seed. So well, that said, yeah, it's it's a bit of a bummer, but I don't think it's quite the federal case that uh, that some are making it out to be. No, out and that's where I am. Like you get, the, dude, if you lose two games at home, <laughs> that's on you. Right. Like, there's Absolutely. no. That's 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 where you are. But I I do understand that if this didn't involve the Orioles, that I would probably be willing to have a bigger conversation about. You know what baseball does to try to you know talk to the teams involved and say, hey, did it end up being a benefit to you? Is there another way we could go about doing this? But uh, I also understand, as you just said, that ESPN is not going to be very interested in giving up inventory of games. So you know, we- we'll have to see if anything actually occurs here. Uh, Gabe Lax, of course, at Gabe Lax, and that's L A C Q U E S on Twitter, and of course, read his stuff at USA Today. Dot com. That's where you find it. Uh, Gabe, I'm hoping personally that we have more reason to have conversation with you as things move forward. It doesn't look great at the moment, but we will see how things play out. Appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. We'll see you Friday or maybe we won't. Yeah, exactly <laughs> so, right. Thanks again. Appreciate thanks, Gabe. It. Appreciate it, man. Gabe Lax from USA Today with us here on GCR. Yeah, this is similar to the conversation that Jeremy and I had last week. Like, It, it just comes off when it involves my team. It comes off as excuse making. It comes off as loser talk. Like I didn't like it last week when we were doing the, um, you know, it, it doesn't feel like the Orioles and Rays should be able to play each other in the first round. Like I don't want to hear it. You got to play the teams. Go win games. So like I really don't want to do this bit. The Orioles aren't losing because they had a few days off. They're losing because they're losing. <laughs> they're losing because they couldn't get a key hit in game one. And in game two, they couldn't throw a strike. Or in Grayson Rodriguez's case, he couldn't throw a strike that wasn't then returned up the middle. That's why they're losing. Now, I get if I separated it from that, baseball does have to have a conversation about what's fair and what's equitable and how do you appropriately reward. But at the end of the day, you got to beat teams. The games are being played. You got to go win them somehow. So I'm not... I can't get too deep into this conversation about 
the fairness of the wild card and the fairness of a team sitting around. I, I know on the broadcast yesterday, John Smoltz pointed out, like, the answer could be just get rid of the off day afterwards. Like, if start the series on Friday mm. instead of on Saturday. And if you got to play three games in the wild card, that's your problem. you got to turn around and play again on Friday. That's on you. It seems, without ripping everything up and without getting – that seems fair. I think that seems like something that I'd be willing to listen on. But – same time, still no excuses, man. Like you're at mm-hmm. home, you got your ass kicked for two games. That's on you. That's not on baseball and how they set things up. You lost. Would have been better too for TV, just so we have something to watch on Friday. Yeah, that wow. would have been nice, right? In the weekend, we got lots of things to watch. <laughs> on Fridays, kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs, like, what are we supposed to do with our hands? I went to a high school football game. Man, my life was so pleasant on Friday night. Mm. So much hope. So much energy in my life. My cousin's kid was playing. Uh, we went up to North Hartford, brought the boys. They did fire. They did fireworks at a high school football really? game. Wow! I never was did like, that when I was in high school. Like they scored a touchdown and then no. Boom, after the game, or? they did a big fireworks oh, wow. spectacular. It was a homecoming game. Dang. My kids were having Dang. the time of their life. They were all in, man. It was a great night. <sighs> life was so good back. You remember? Remember back then? Back on Friday, forty-eight, seventy-two hours. Oh, ago, what a yeah. time! Hey, coming up October 28th, uh, the Baltimore County Police Department is hosting a hiring event at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road in Towson. If you're thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, you can go through the entire process right there. Written test, agility test, application process, all of it. If you're not, it's still a great opportunity for you to get out and have a touch with the Baltimore County Police and, and get to know them and what they're all about. And it's a safe opportunity for your kids to go around and get some candy in a trunk or treat event. Find out more by calling 410-887-4584 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Jeremy Kahn is going to join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Come for a game, stay for everything else. Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at baltimore.org slash hotels. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. 
Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland5star.us for tickets. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis. AJMichaels.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox Fantasy Football Analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your Waiver Wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that? Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley, and Luke Jackson will try to make sense of it all. The Orioles' 0-2 deficit, and can it change? They'll get together this afternoon. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline if you miss it live. But 4 o'clock this afternoon, Stan the Fan Charles, Luke Jackson, and Ross Grimsley. Speaking of which, hey, Ross, uh, how did you feel about the first two games of the series this weekend, pal? Hey, man, it sucked. It was a big-time sucker, if you know what I'm saying. Really uh, was, not cool. It? Wasn't cool. Uh, yeah. uh, we're not going to be able to do our normal hour uh, with Jeremy Kahn because we screwed up, and it's the whole thing. It's on us. But Jeremy Kahn is with us. Dude, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't, you know, it's funny because I try to explain this to people all the time. Like Every time when teams lose, you know, and I'm sure you dealt with this when you worked over at the other station all those years ago, there are people that genuinely believe that I liked it when the teams lost. And I, I, one, I couldn't explain to them, like, you know, I'm from here and these are the teams I root for. <laughs> then two, yeah. like, do you understand, like, nobody right now this morning, the difficulty, and I'm sure you guys felt it this morning, like the difficulty of getting people who want to choose. It's so much easier on a day like today for people to be like, you know, I bet they're playing some Led Zeppelin on the classic rock station. That sounds a little bit more pleasant than talking <laughs> about. Like, it it sucks to do these shows. Yeah, and look, it's like, even today, it's like, all right, let's get away from that, that horrible Ravens loss. Let's talk about 
the two losses by the Orioles or the three good quarters by Maryland football. Um, yeah, it, it's just a, it's a big bowl of crap. It's what it is. It sucks. And there's no other way to describe it, but like inherently, I think people always need to have a scapegoat or, or someone to blame. So it's like, well, how can you blame the coach when the quarterback did this? Or how can you blame the quarterback when the wide receivers are dropping this? Can it be all their faults? Can it be that if one person did what they were supposed to do in said football game or in game one where people were just like vilifying Brandon Hyde for pitching moves and I'm going, they lost by one run. Right. They scored two. They didn't get any hits. Like right. that's, that's it. That's, that's all you have to look at. It wasn't a move that he made that cost them. I, and then I, for people that weren't paying attention, they didn't hit down the stretch either. So I, like, I'm not shocked that they're not hitting oh, right no, now, not at all. even though, you know, you know, last night was a little bit, or yesterday afternoon was a little bit different late in the game, but, but still, yeah, it all sucks. There's no other way to describe it. So let's you and I just cover a couple of things related to the Orioles specifically. One being, I, I, you know, I, I, can, I can defend most of everything from Saturday that Brandon Hyde did. I, look, I don't think you needed to put Adam Frazier in that game, and Adam Frazier hasn't hit at all, but for what it's worth, going into that, neither had Jordan Westberg down the stretch. So yeah. it, it's six in, a do- six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I can't really criticize that. Would I have liked to see him stick it out with Kyle Bradish a little bit longer and, and give him the opportunity to work out? Sure, but I got it. Carter was over against lefties. They had an opportunity to try to get out of it and protect everything in that situation, and while it was goofy because Cologne walked him, they did get out of it, and all was good. The ninth inning thing obviously was a mistake on Hicks' part, right? Like, I can go back and say I can get all. I can't defend the Brian Baker thing. Like, to me, that is... As puzzling, as bizarre, as as much as I have said, I have thought that he has pushed all the right buttons this season. This isn't a, it was confusing after Baker walked three guys. It was confusing the moment you saw that Brian Baker was going to the mound. How do I defend Brandon Hyde over that decision? It's the only one I can't argue. Like uh, That's the one where I can say, okay, did, did you feel like the game was over? But even then, it's not, you know, like, to bring a guy in. If you're going to put a guy on your roster, he's got to be able to be used at some point. But I said the same thing you guys did. I'm sure everyone did, knowing what the outcome might be. And I'm going, where's Fuji when I need him? And like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But but the, the thing is, like, you know, I'm looking at that spot too, and I'm going, okay, like, I don't know why you put that guy in. I don't know why you put him in at that point in time. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to, to go to that guy when you have other people that are available and my assumption, and wouldn't you guess it too, that that was probably the last guy that made it on the roster? Oh, I, w- I can't. I mean, he wasn't even on the team. How could he not be the guy, the last guy on the roster? Yeah. Like, well, I, that's, that's my point. I, that, and, and you I, know, because of that. I, and it, but it's know, funny, like, Jeremy. I think one of the things that we've learned about Brandon Hyde is if you're on the roster, I'm going to use you. Like, that's, that's a Brandon yeah. Hyde thing is there is no guy hidden on the back end of the, the, the roster. If you're on the team, you're going to play. We only get 26 roster spots. We can't pretend like we are so good that we can play 25 on 26 or something like that. And I've, I, I've always struggled with it, but again, for the most part, it has worked. And he has figured out appropriate situations and ways to use guys. You can say, hey, Brian Baker, he's on the team, so we got to use him. But that, to me, has got to be like a... If if you're down, you know he's the guy that comes in when it is eleven to two, right? When it's eleven to two, you gotta let somebody throw three innings and not use them again the rest of the series. That's why Brian Baker is on this team. I just can't get over that the game was still. 
I, I will defend Brandon Hyde. He's the manager of the year. I think he is – I don't think this team is as good as their record suggested. I think they got here in large part because of Brandon Hyde. But this is asinine, and he deserves every ounce of criticism about it. Well, you know what's funny, too, is like when you have a team that's built like this, this isn't me criticizing the way that this team's built, but like I'm going to compare them to the Braves in a second. Um, but like when you look at when you look at the Orioles lineup and you're you're built for predominantly lefty righty matchups throughout the lineup, like wouldn't you say our lineup is going to be three to four guys different on an yeah, everyday basis? That's the way it's been, depending yeah. on the arm of the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and with the Braves, it's not that lineup is going to be the same. Like the funniest thing was people were were bitching about the Braves because they changed their lineup in the postseason, not because they benched somebody, but they dropped Ozzy Albies the fourth and moved Austin Riley up to bat second for some reason, which I still don't understand. But people are like, why would you change something when it's been working? Like, ultimately, I don't think that's the reason they lost the baseball game, but I understand people's thought processes on it. When you start spending money and you have everyday players at most of the positions, there's not going to be those switches all the time that go on. And I think that's one of the inherent problems with a a group that has a low payroll, and you you can't expect them to, to fill every single position with, the star player when your payroll is that low um, I know there's some young talent and there's some guys that are you know that you would consider everyday players and we mm-hmm. have that of course but mm-hmm. but with the Braves they're not toggling with that lineup on a daily basis because they know who they're putting in there he's Jeremy Kahn he's with us here on GCR of course concretelocks.com c-o-n-n-c-r-e-t-e concretelocks.com um, Jeremy, can you can you reasonably I look, I think anybody can talk themselves into believing that this isn't over and the Orioles have a chance. They are the best road team in baseball this season and they've had their backs against the wall and they've been challenged and they've responded well. But knowing it's gonna have to be some combination of Gibson and Kramer uh, over the course of the next couple of games, can you reasonably believe they can do this and get it back to Baltimore for a game five? Well, yeah, because of who you're going to face, too. Like, now, with all due respect, Nathan Avaldi was really good in his last game against the Rays. He sucked in September since getting called back. That is true. I mean, the total in the game, and I – like, if they haven't fully announced who the Orioles pitcher is, I don't believe that I've seen it. I, I assume it's going to be Kramer. Maybe they go to Gibson because, you know, he's the vet. But um, if that's come out anywhere. But they already – the game, which was nine and a half which would lead me to believe that there are going to be some runs scored in this game regardless. But, um, and I think Evaldi's going to give up some too. It's just going to be a matter of how do our guys play? You know, how do they handle it? And I think, um, I think ultimately that's something that we're going to have to, you know, pay attention to and see if, if they can score some runs off of Evaldi. And then who's their game for starter? Is it Dunning? Do they go back there? Do they pitch somebody on short rest? So they still have questions about the back end where we have two guys we're going to call upon and maybe we don't trust them as much, but they both won double digits this year. So, um, yeah, I, I, I still think there's that outside shot. I'm not, I'm not trying to spin this, this web here and convince everybody that they're going to win it all, but there is that shot. Who would you turn to? And, again, understanding it's all hands on deck, this is the way it works when you're facing elimination in the playoffs. You, you deal with game four when you get to game four, and if it means everybody's got to pitch one batter, that's what you do. I get it. The rules don't allow for that anymore. Um, but yeah. but who do you start? Like I, I, when, I, when I come to this, the reason why it matters to me is I don't think that you can do this without getting some sort of strong start. I, I, I don't think you can win a playoff series without one guy giving you – at least five innings and giving you a chance. 
So I've got to be rolling the dice on not who do I think is the, the best guy to go out for the first inning and then go from there. I've got to be rolling the dice on who gives me a chance to have stability, to give you the opportunity to maybe work into the game a little bit and, and on all of that. Who would you start of those two in game three to try to find your way into this series? I'm still going with Kramer. Um, you know, I understand what Gibson's done, but I'm still going with Kramer. He's going to be my guy that I, I want to go out there and see. I have no problem if they choose Gibson, and I think you got to have Flaherty waiting behind whoever you choose just in case. Um, you know, and everybody's got to be ready. It could be a bullpen game. could be a spot start for one of these guys who's not a starter in game four because, like, you you can't play for game four until you've won game three. So, you know, I know we use those cliches all the time, like all hands on deck, but that's exactly what it is. But for me personally, I think I'd go Kramer um, over Gibson. I, I have leaned towards Gibson only because, like, I feel like you need Tranquillo, right? Like, I feel like you need someone mm-hmm. – I, I like, you need a calming influence. And Kramer, as we know, is emotional AF. And while that can be a very good thing – I feel like right now you almost need the exact opposite of that. You need the dude that is not going to be impacted by the circumstances in any way. That doesn't mean that I know that Gibson's going to be good, and it's still very like. But I feel like that's my best bet for someone who's just none of this stuff is going to get to him. He's going to be whatever he is no matter what the circumstances are. Yeah, I mean, and, and you might be right on that, but, you know, we'll only know once they start. It's like we obviously thought Grayson was the, the best guy to go in game two, and um, you know, he didn't look that way last night. Uh, but again, he didn't throw much too, so he should be available sooner as well. So that might be another guy that you have for an inning or so if you need him in any one of these starts. But uh, I guess, like again, we'll have to wait yeah. and see what Brandon hides. If you if you hit the ball, I mean, if you're able to get to Avaldi and hit the ball, maybe that takes off a little bit of that stress on the the starting pitcher because you know Bradish definitely deserved better with the way that he pitched. Um, didn't get it, and then when you look at Grayson, Grayson just fell apart. I mean, Bradish just had that. It was four hits in a row, four batters in a row, and it's like other than and I, you don't get to take those away, but other than no, those four, was, you're like he was dominant. He was striking everybody there? else out. Right, exactly yeah. right. He was tremendous. Where are you with the debate about um, you know the wild card thing and whether or not it, it's it's just not working and they have to revisit it? Oh, I mean, look, I don't like the, the five-game set. It's better than the three-game set. It's better than the one game. Uh, I still don't love it. You know, I, I think series were meant to be seven. And, um, you know, I understand what them expanding the playoffs and what they want to do. But I think I'm okay with it. If you're talking about the rest- like people that were bitching now that the Orioles are the one seed that they don't restructure and they didn't get to play. I mean, the Twins that technically finished better than the other teams because they won their division. Like, I, I understand that. But, you know, it's – None of that matters to I me. Mean, hell, the Rays had the second most wins, and you know they got swept in the first round. So uh, to this same team that we're facing, I mean, maybe we just need to tip our hat to Texas for getting hot at the right time if they do, in fact, knock us off in the next game or one of the next three. But um, may- maybe they're just better than we thought they were. No, I agree with that. I just, I look, I, I, you know how I feel because we talked about it with the Rays thing last week. Like I'm not. It feels like excuse making. It feels like loser talk when we have these conversations. I I get that baseball's got to look at it as a whole, um, and maybe the conversation dies down if the Dodgers and the Braves win the night. Nobody cares about it any longer. But like I do think that baseball has to look at it and try to feel figure out what's equitable. I've I've heard the argument from John like the Smoltz's argument was you start the um, division series on Friday no matter what. That seems fair to me, right? Like that seems like mm-hmm. a wh- why should the wild card team 
get the benefit of a day off if they don't win in two games, right? Like, why should they be rewarded further by another day off after the series? His point was you shouldn't be able to turn around and start Jordan Montgomery again in game two. And I was like, you know what? He's got a point. I mean, he's not wrong, but they did sweep. So I think in, well, I guess, who knows, man? Like, that's one of those things where because of what happened and everybody went in 2-0 and when they had everything situated to start, it really screwed things up. So I didn't know that's what you were getting at with that. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, it does kind of suck. But, but, you know, they threw Andrew Haney, who he'd only started one game in the past month, and I think he went four and a third or four and two-thirds. Other than that, they were using him as a spot starter. I mean, we should have knocked his ass around. So – um, and instead he got a ton of soft contact and then uh, got a little bit of a lead and then was uh, out of the game earlier and then they went to the bullpen. So, But they, in, in my opinion, that was where your advantage was, but it shows you how quickly it can slip if you lose game one. Um, and the advantage going back to the other team who are now bringing in their starters uh, that they plan to start the series with had they been able to. And it's just so killer to not have John Means available, man. Like It's just yeah. so crushing. That was it's... a gut punch that we really didn't even get a chance to talk about no. because of all that had happened. And because it happened right before the game started, you were like, oh, 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 okay, cool. Like, we'll go from there. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, I know not, i got to let you go because you've got a thing to do. Uh, what, what all are we plugging for you, man? Yeah, so, no, I'm, I'm actually getting ready to do this really cool thing for uh, Garceau. Um, I was asked by the Babe Ruth Museum to come down and, an interview um, uh, to talk about his career and, and, you know, accomplishments. And he deserves all this, man. The guy's one of the greatest guys. So um, I guess, it, I don't know if this will show up on the internet somewhere or what, but there, I know he's getting honored from two different places um, that I'm trying to help out. I think uh, this is one where I know Weinman's down here. So a bunch of his, you know, people that work with him are going to talk about him. So That's hopefully awesome. everybody tells some funny stories and bust his chops, but nothing else to promote concretelocks.com. Didn't have a great day yesterday. Saturday was okay. Um, just missed on a couple of plays. I mean, Saturday was better than okay. But if I don't, if I don't have a winning day in my top five plays and I hit everything else, it, it, it the rest of the stuff doesn't mean as much to me as as I, you know, the time I put into those top five plays. So, um, but yeah, overall an average weekend, and we'll bounce back. And making matters worse, not closing the gap in our picks contest. We'll get to that a little bit later yeah. on. Not closing good the about gap. That too. Yeah, yeah. All right. At Jaycon Sports on Twitter, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com as well. Love you, buddy. We'll talk next Monday, all right? All right, guys. I'll see you. Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR as he is every Monday. It's a long season. You know. uh, it is, but I thought he would make a dent yeah. a little bit yeah. quicker. And um, <clears throat> there was only one person in our league who had a worse week than Jeremy Kahn did. Who was that? Uh, could be anybody. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. Okay. We're gonna do a picks recap in a bit. I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil it. It Man, could be there's there's ten other guys in the league. It could have been any of them. <laughs> Must have been embarrassing to be the only yeah. per oh, I think that's trippy. Mm-hmm. I think that's our guy. Must have been embarrassing to be the only person under five hundred. One person that's not true. I think uh, Andrew Stecco was under five hundred as well, if I remember correctly. I think uh, he also similarly had a uh, difficult week, but we will get into a picks recap here in a bit. Yeah, I missed our guy Trippy on post game yesterday. I feel really bad. We had a little bit of a stressful situation where we went to start the post game show and Zoom locked us out of our account. Oh, <laughs> not great timing. What we had agreed to do based on everybody's timing and how the Orioles game go- was going, we were like, what we'll do is we'll start at seven. We'll do Ravens with Femi to start, and then. 
because Femi was like, dude, I might have to go at some point. Well, that'll work out fine. As the Orioles game is ending, we can kind of transition from Ravens to Orioles and go that way. And then at 7, we went to start, and Zoom was like, ha no. And then it was pandemonium. A lot of phone I, uh, calls, a lot of scrambling, a lot of mm. issues, and everybody's pissed off already. Like, nobody's in a good mood, and technology's not working. So uh, I completely forgot to, uh, to to check in with our guy, Trippy, But he's uh, back with us this morning. What's going on, pal? How was your trip? Hey, what's going on, man? I had... This this probably was one of the rough away games I ever went to. Like, I never been like they throwing stuff. It, oh. it was just weird though. Like, you, you tell them the security guard they want to take pictures of me. Like, you want to lead the game, and I'm like, wow. But I mean, other than that, I mean, it wasn't a good game because I mean we lost, right? It was terrible. So, it was a terrible game. It was awful. So I mean. I mean, I, I keep telling fans, me being a super fan, I can't just be like, oh, it's going like, we got to get better on offense. Like, everybody, like, from the quarterback, running back, O-line, and receivers, especially the receivers, because, like, I mean, let's be real, Greg Roman gone now. We got receivers still dropping passes. He had eight drop passes yesterday. Like, you see the score, 10-17. to 17. The score should have been... Ravens like thirty something, Steelers three. To be honest with you, yeah. I, so, we, I mean, it's it's I I wholeheartedly agree, and that's the difficult part about talking about this game is to your point. This isn't on firing a coordinator. This isn't on, and for whatever reason, Trippy, and it's because we like these guys. Like we like all of these. I like Rashad Bateman. Right? He came out. He hung right, out with yeah. us earlier this year on the Bowser mm-hmm. show. He was awesome. Like he was very cool. We had a great time. And yet, I, I can't mix words about it. Like, this is unacceptable right now. This is yeah. – t- Rashad Bateman was supposed to be an ascending player. Like, he was supposed to be going – like, we, we were supposed to be scratching the surface with what Rashad Bateman was capable of. And we're going the other way right now. Like, right now, he looks like a dude that's lost, that is is just not with it. Like, his mind isn't there for some reason. And – I, I, I don't know what else there is to say. Like, I don't like – this isn't fun to criticize these guys, but there's nothing else. Dude, when you can't hold on to a touchdown pass that's right there, like there's nobody breaking that up. It's just between you and the ball. There's there's some bigger issue that has to be dealt with, man. Yeah, because – um, and like you said, like we don't want to criticize them, but it's like – I mean, and like even like when I like when I you know I do my players things before the games, like yeah. I let them know like I'm here with y'all, like when yeah. a loss, like you know what I mean. And it's just like it's just like now, like I feel like Patrick Queen, like I'm just tired of the same stuff. Like we got the team, we can't never get nothing. And then a, a big a thing that really bothers me is these low level teams that we supposed to beat. Yes, it's an NFL game, it's professionals, it's any given Sunday. But if we play Ravens ball, we should easily be five and zero right now. Uh, correct, you know, correct. You know yes. what I'm saying? And then the thing that upset me is we in position right to be three and zero in the division. Three and zero in the division. Don't play the next division game the week ten. That's a nice little stretch for us to get ourselves together. And you know we shot ourselves in the foot. So I mean, if we don't get it together, I can see right now like. <laughs> Week 18 might come down, Steelers, Ravens, 
I mean, it might come down to the division or it might come down to who get that last wild card spot. 100%. And I'm just, like, very upset about that now. And not to upset you even more, Glenn, I'm upset with the Orioles. How could you not be? How could you? Bro, this is where we are, man. This Today sucks. You know what, Glenn? Hey, Glenn, I told myself, I said, well, Merlin lost this week. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, damn. The Ravens lost. Yeah. Let me check the Orioles score. Oh, we up two nothing. I get yep. back to the car. We down. I'm like, wow. <sighs> but uh, I mean, it's still early in the season. But it's just like, is we gonna st- like? <clears throat> excuse me. It's like, when is we gonna start saying different? Like, I want to start saying like, all right, yeah, Zay Flowers here, rookie. I'm pretty sure he's gonna get himself together. But we got vets. You see what I'm saying? I want to start saying better things like. The receivers catching stuff. I want, and to be honest with you, I understand fans are frustrated, but fans got to stop doing this. Like every time we, I feel like, and I mean I can't speak because I know fans gonna say whatever they want, but I'm not one of those fans. Every time we lose, oh fire this person, fire that person. Because at the end of the day, we can fire that. Like if we let John Harbaugh go, let's be for real, right? What will make a difference in the change in the team? You see what I'm saying? How we know it's gonna be a difference? You see what I'm saying? Like it takes time. You know what I mean? Like. I don't, I mean, I oh, don't it's, and it. it's I'm absurd. Still... No, you don't fire your head. You don't fire a 16th year Super Bowl winning head coach when you're three and two. Like it's nonsense. Stop. Like people are wasting their breath. Yeah. But I, you know, it's not like he doesn't deserve blame in all of this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I do. You know. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because for real, it, I mean, it's some stuff hardball. Do sometimes I just be like, wow. Yeah. And then you gotta under, and then you gotta understand, Glenn. Like when I'm at the games, I'm watching everything live, so it's kind of hard to you know analyze it from like TV and like. Uh, other fans perspective. I mean, uh, you know, um, I can't even get the word out, but you get what I'm saying. But, yeah, um, I get it. I get it, man. But basically, I'm just saying, like, when you're watching it live, it is totally different. And I know, like, watching it on TV, you can be able to see different things. And, I mean, I was happy we was going for it, but it's just like, why not take the points at the end of the day? You know what I mean? Like, it's just certain stuff I saw, like the interception when Lamar tried to throw it to Odell. I mean, we had so many opportunities to run different little plays. Like, why not, like, I don't know. It's just like it's. I don't know. Like yesterday, just felt like it was like last year offense, like in the red zone. To be honest with you, and I mean, Harbaugh. I know you got a a problem with like fumbling and stuff, but I mean, Justice Hill. Yeah, he fumbled, but still give him the rock and stuff. Like you can't just. I, I don't. I don't it's know. Tough, it's man. just. I don't know. Maybe they regroup. I mean, they're going to they're going to London. All I I hope and pray that they don't go over London and play like crap, and yeah. then it be like a oh, you know what I mean? Because I'm gonna be real. Looking at the schedule coming up, it looks easy on paper, but it ain't. You see what I'm saying? I agree. I agree. Bro. I mean, we got the Lions coming up at home, and that's not a ten. You know what I mean? No, nope. so that's a good football team. Hopefully, bro. we get everything together. We get healthy. And I don't know, man. I'm it's, just, it's a tough day. Uh, yeah, we're all we're all in it together, bro. Uh, let's tell tell somebody you love them today, because everybody's hat yeah. going through it today. Everybody's you know going. A, you through know what I'm gonna tell. You know what I'm gonna tell. I love hey, Orioles. I love y'all, man. Y'all yeah, right. Too, let's go. But I believe in y'all, boys, man. Just go ahead, and take it one game at a time. Just win these next two games, and then. I mean, I don't even know how many games is it in the It's third. five, is so it? it would be a wild Friday night. If it, if they could go down and win two games, we would have a wild Friday night ahead of us here in Baltimore. I mean, so. it's possible, though, because we is a good away team. The so. best, best road team in baseball this season, no who's question. The pitcher, who's the starting pitcher for tomorrow? They haven't, they haven't announced it yet. It's either going to be Kramer or Gibson, um, and, and we'll see from there, bro. But um, I mean, if you want my opinion, give me Kramer. 
I get it. I get it. I'm 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 leaning back to the veteran thing and the experience thing with Gibson. I don't know, but I, you know they're both. If you're gonna get back here, they're both gonna have to pitch. Like that's the reality. If you're gonna get back to Game Five, both of these dudes are gonna have to pitch, and um, yeah. and somehow come through. I love you, buddy. Uh, let's I love you too, hopefully man. I let's talk yeah. again. Yeah, we'll talk on Sunday and hopefully be much more pleasant. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you Sunday if you come to the uh, uh, Guilford Brewery. All right. Oh, you gonna be there on Sunday? Oh, nice. Night. Maybe yeah, I'll of course I'm gonna come. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, I'll talk. You, you be there? I uh, I wasn't planning on it, but you and I can talk about it. I might be able to swing by. I just got to make sure all I right, can I do check. the post game somehow. So we'll right, figure it out. All right, all right bro. All right. all right, have a good day. All right, bye. That's uh, our guy Trippy. Um, why don't we go ahead and do picks recap and pats? Kadri is gonna join us at eleven thirty. Picks recap brought to you this morning. Buy. Ooh, this one's brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, yeah, Maryland, Ohio State. It looked pretty safe for a Maryland cover, didn't it? Yeah. It looked yeah. safe as hell for a Maryland cover. Gosh. Right up until they lost 37-17. And it was a push because we got the number at 20. Um, It's a bummer. This is, to me, the biggest lesson of the game is this is the reality for Maryland football. Those mistakes that we talked about when they were playing imperfect games the first five weeks of the season, you can't do that against Ohio State. You have to be flawless. And everything changed after the pick six, obviously. The, The thing before the half, completely inexcusable eerily reminiscent of what happened a week before and Mike Loxley is furious and it happens again where you don't get points before the half it's unfathomable and then obviously the the other pick kind of sealed it and it just all snowballed from there you can't make those mistakes and beat Ohio State you can make those mistakes and beat Indiana or beat Michigan State or beat Virginia or Charlotte or Towson. You can't make those mistakes and beat Ohio State. I, I do think that the score does not show, like on a national perspective, it's going to be eh, the, the same thing, hammer nail. I don't think that's fair. I do think that Maryland, for those that watch, know they were much more competitive with Ohio State than... But that's not really the measurement anymore. They've been competitive with these teams. They've got to prove they're capable of winning one of these games. They get a couple more chances this year to get a statement win. To, to If they could somehow beat one of these teams, Penn State or Michigan, it goes a very long way for believing that Maryland football isn't just you know, the mediocre team that wins against bad teams and loses against good teams. But that's what it is. They they lose. They lose by 20. We all get a push. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma, Texas. Only John Proctor and Nick Kelly were on Oklahoma. Not only did they cover, but obviously they went outright. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel looking like the truth. Um, I, I still don't – I can't pretend like I've watched enough Oklahoma to understand where they might be vulnerable, but – Dude, when the game was on the line, that was a nails drive that they put. To, I mean, in in like twenty seconds too. I mean, it took almost almost too little time off the clock. 
Um, but a big, big one is John Proctor and Nick Kelly steal that one. They were the only ones on Oklahoma. Uh, Georgia handled their business, never threatened by Kentucky. I believe it was 21 nothing out of the shoot. Yeah, I don't know who Yeah, what kind Kentucky of idiot would chance. think that Kentucky could cover. I mean, it was a big number, 14.5, but it was never in doubt. There no, was never was a moment in that game nuts. where there was any question about whether uh, Georgia was going to cover. So, yeah, some doofus named Griffin Bass. I don't know what that's all about. God, he definitely Andrew, didn't think they would win outright either. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Stecka was also on Kentucky in that one. Uh, Buffalo and Jacksonville, the London thing held exactly as a lot of us thought it would. I don't even know that we all thought that necessarily Jacksonville was going to win the game as much as just I, there seemed to be a giant advantage. Interesting, by the way, that the Ravens have decided, yeah, we're going to arrive on Monday. I have I, never understood the bit for these. Ever since the NFL moved the games to 930, the bit where teams are still trying to force the issue of like flying in overnight trying to force the players to sleep on the plane and immediately, like, pretend it's just, like, going to the West Coast or pretend like it's just taking any other trip that you take during the course of the season was insanity to me. I never got it. Every player I talked to about it was like, yeah. Look, I mean, I've flown on those planes that had seats that turned into a bed. When I went to Paris that time, my my wife's mother kindly sprung for the, Mm. like, nice bed um, seats. It's still not like an actual bed, and I'm not the size of an athlete. These are the ones in like Ted Lasso that he, that Ted was in. Kinda, yeah. I okay. mean, like they're they're you know they your your seat lays back and like literally the guy comes and like makes your bed for you. Really? It's very nice. He tucks you in. Yeah, he doesn't tuck <laughs> you in, but he, ma- he turns it into a bed. He puts the sheets down. It's like it's it's great for the misery of a flying experience, but for sleeping, for like adjusting. No, and I'm not an offensive lineman. And guys that are supposed to run, you know, four fours. Correct. <laughs> I've never understood teams. I, I, I get it. It sucks to take your entire operation international for a week. Like that's a very difficult thing to do. That's a lot of people involved and a, a massive undertaking. I still really wish that they, that that cruise thing had oh been for real. God's six years. That would have been so so funny. So dumb. They actually, you guys are so did dumb. a cruise. So like a football field on the ship. Yeah, no, I understand it. It would have been totally not going to have Someone guys dealing with vertigo at all. Someone should totally do it. not going to be an issue because no one has ever gotten seasick before. That's not something that would happen. You're you're a hundred percent right. Ships about are big that. now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Giant cruise ships. People get vertigo all the time. People get seasick constantly. It's not. It's nonsense. Nonsense. Also, you can't take it to the indoor field when the weather isn't good. Nonsense. Anyway, uh, Jacksonville does win outright uh, against Buffalo. It's the game that got really interesting late after it wasn't very interesting to start. We were split on that one. Uh, Griffin, Kyle Ottenheimer, Nick Kelly, and Andrew Stecka were on Buffalo and missed it. Boy, I felt good about I I, I, I wasn't watching. I had red zone. At this point, on. I felt terrible. Well, I felt good about the Rams pick because oh, okay. they were they were oh, yeah, they yeah, were leading. Hanging. Then they, out of nowhere, allow the Eagles to get this touchdown at the end of the first half. But still, it's a one-possession game. I'm like, this is going exactly how I thought it would go. The Rams didn't score a point in the second half, despite having Cooper cut back. Yeah. Really bizarre. And I it just was so locked in on the Orioles and everything that I wasn't watching. I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about how, how it happened. But um, the Eagles do indeed uh, get the cover in that game as it was a four-and-a-half number. I, uh, Andrew Stecka, Jeremy Kahn, and KZ, we were all on the Rams, and we miss out on that one. I got a win, finally. 
Cincinnati finally looked like Cincinnati, uh, which I think is bad news. That's the troubling part is that all of a sudden the Bengals look right offensively. Joe Burrow chucking the ball to Jamar Chase. I, I could have used him looking Tyler Boyd's way like once, I think. Yeah, would have been helpful for you. He did have a couple catches, it. but... Um, let me let me pull this up for you because I was going to save it for tidbit, but we'll just do it now. Uh, who posted? Field Yates posted that Jamar Chase finished with 52.2 fantasy points. He's just Ooh. the third player since 1950 with multiple games of 50 or more fantasy points. Third player with multiple games of 50 points. Mm-hmm. Player, not not wide receiver. Third player. Third player. 50 fantasy points since 1950. Um, with multiple Peyton Manning, maybe no, no, because I know he had the seven touchdown I'll game. Tell you, none, are, none are quarterback. Cause none are quarterback. Yeah, even I know, in a seven like, touchdown game, unless you're playing in a league. Now, I changed one of the rules in my league to make touchdown passing touchdowns worth six points, just because I like more scoring. Mm-hmm. But that's not standard scoring. Standard yeah. scoring is four points for a passing okay. touchdown. So let's see. Well, Daniel Tomlinson. Daniel Tomlinson is not one of them, believe it or not. Man, yeah. uh, look, you got to think of these big touch. Uh, Jamal Charles. No, not Jamal Charles. I think of the wrong Chiefs running back. Nope. Mm. I'll tell you, there's one running back and one wide receiver. Alvin Kamara. Nope. Really? I guess at, once. If I'm Adrian, being honest with you, these are the most likely answers. Adrian Peterson. Nope. These would have been... Uh, in, McCaffrey. In, no. <laughs> in any reasonable world, these should be the first two people that... Uh, Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice yeah. is, of course, okay. the wide receiver on the list. And there's another running back? There's a running back, yes. Or one running back. Um, and whenever we do a list about that involves pass-catching running backs, it's uh, always the first guy you need to guess. Austin Eckler? No. Oh. Pass-catching running back, that one. I, um, this is a bad look. I guess so. Barry Sanders? No. The answer is Marshall Falk. It's always uh, Marshall Falk. We've been through this. A number of times recently. It's always, always Marshall Falk. Marshall uh, Yeah, Jamar, okay. Jamar Chase obviously looked great. The Bengals looked right. They yeah. not only Well, yeah, uh, when they decide to throw it to him. Yeah, it seems, seems like, like it a, a good thing to do. I would do it more frequently. And Joe Burrow looked right yesterday, throwing the ball 60 yards in the air to Jamar Chase on the one touchdown. Uh, Cincinnati wins uh, ultimately comfortably. And it was Griffin, John Proctor, Nick Kelly, and Ryan Shell on the Cardinals. Um, Kansas City, Minnesota, probably a little bit closer than it feels like. It feels like Kansas City was never really in jeopardy, but like Minnesota did get the ball back with a chance to go down and tie. There was a little bit of controversy on the late, um, you know, non-call in the end zone that could have been pass interference. I, I think most of the officials on the timeline said no. That's the right thing to not make that pass interference. Ultimately, Kansas City wins by a touchdown, and the line was only four, and I thought you were stealing points there, so it made all the sense in the world to me. Only Jeremy Kahn, go figure, and Paul Valley were on Minnesota. Boy, Paul, Paul had a rough day on Twitter yesterday. He, I don't know if it was he was drinking or what was going on, but well, just Paul kind of lost, right? yeah. lost his mind a little bit yesterday. I think I saw one Got tweet. A, I guess I'll have I, one. I... <laughs> There was I've later. never been the type to step in, but like <laughs> it got close yesterday where I almost met it was like, dude, you, okay, you got so. it. But it's more like if you want to do this, like you can't F everyone. You can't just say F this person and F that person and you can't do that. Yeah. Like I get it. I understand how you're feeling, but you gotta come up with a different way of saying it. And I saw he tweeted out an apology this morning, so hopefully everything's all right. 
Uh, San Francisco, Dallas last night. Yeesh. Yeesh. The 49ers. Every ounce of real that we thought they were. The Cowboys, yeah, not so much. Uh, as that was a blowout. And Kyle, Andrew Steck, and Jeremy Kahn were all on Dallas. Meanwhile, the only ones on Pittsburgh were Andrew Steck and Jeremy Kahn and Ryan Chell. So they get that kind, one back. Yeah, kind of still a point, I guess. Yeah. More or less. Uh, rough week only for nobody went nobody had a dramatically terrible week but yeah. the only well, I yes. started so I started zero and four because through the one o'clock window I was zero and four so you're you're just five you're happy that you you ended up turning the, the tables late yeah and at yeah. least getting a and couple because it, it felt like I was gonna come in yeah. here and I was yeah. gonna be winless three five and one for Griffin and Andrew Stecka and because of that Andrew Stecka is now tied once again with Ken Zalis who went five and three. Kyle and Jeremy Kahn were four and four this week. Ken Zalis, Nick Kelly, and myself were five and three. So was Paul Valley. But big weeks, some six and two weeks from John Proctor, John and Little Rock, and Ryan Chell. Mm. And just like that, we are all bunched right back in together. There is not a lot of separation here. Steck and KZ tied at the top of the table. Two games back, Kyle Ottenheimer, Nick Kelly. Three games back, myself, Griffin, Proctor, and John and Little Rock. Four games back, Paul Valley. Five games back, Ryan Chell. But Jeremy Kahn's not making up any ground. Jeremy Kahn is 18 yeah. games behind. After two weeks, he's had the opportunity to try to close, and he started 13 games or 14 games behind, if I remember correctly. I think it was 14. 14 games behind? Yeah. He has made up no Yeah, because Ryan ground. had 14 wins, I think, when he yeah. started. Made up no ground whatsoever. He has lost ground with the pack. In his first two weeks. Ryan turned it on, I think. Yeah, right? Ryan knew somebody was after him and was like, I better start getting some games right. So that's where we are. Again, the loser's got to come in here, eat uh, blood sausage, haggis, and tripe, wash it down with a Will Levist uh, Irish coffee, dress as the Notre Dame mascot, take an Irish dance lesson, perform that Irish dance, and then perform also Nothing Compares to You and Zombie. That's what's at stake. Of course, all of our odds came courtesy of Superbook. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. When you sign up, take advantage of a same-day first bet match up to $250, win or lose. Now, quickly, slaps to the helmet. Slaps brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. Only about a week remaining. Not even, really. A week remaining to go get this print issue of PressBox with Lamar Jackson on the cover before it makes way for a baseball-themed cover that we'll announce this week. That's uh, still to be found at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. My number five this week, it, it's tough because it's not like there's any one particular thing that stands out, but in trying to find some defensive players for the list, um, I, I know the easy thing to say is Marlon Humphrey because he gave up the touchdown. I get it. It was zero coverage. I'm not going to beat him up too much. I, I thought Marcus Williams was disappointing because I, I think – I don't think he was ready to play. He was trying to play with one arm. He he wouldn't use his left arm. He was trying to play with one arm yesterday. And it was a liability when he was on the field, and then he couldn't stay on the field. They, I, I, you want to give the guy credit for trying, but if you can't use your other arm, you can't be on the field. Like you got to be able to say, I, I can't do this. And ultimately, it was kind of painful to watch so on a tough day for defensive players that stood out to me marcus williams is my number five yeah i guess that's why i kind of give him a pass just because i knew he wasn't right 
Um, but I did go with who you first mentioned. I went with Marlon Humphrey as my number five. I mean, yeah, it was tough to find defensive guys, but he got burned, and he is supposed to be our, you know, he is supposed to be our all-pro, our shutdown, our number one corner, one of the best in the league, and he was not on that play. It looked bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when you're in zero mm-hmm. coverage. And I get why you're in zero coverage, too, because they were already in field goal range at that point. Like, you, you kind of had to try to bring an all-out pressure. But that speaks to why my number four is my number four. The, and look, man, Femi and I went at it about this, and he can try to keep pretending like it's not a thing. When the game is on the line and somebody has to make a play, they don't have that guy. They don't have him. So Jadavion Clowney is my number four because he was silent yesterday. He had no impact on the football game whatsoever, and we had just been talking about how like he had surpassed the bar. Jadavion Clowney was not present yesterday whatsoever. He had no impact on the game. And I get that it's unfair to expect Jadavion Clowney to be that guy because it's unfair to expect him to be that guy. But given the circumstances, he kind of has to be. Moreover, the Ravens have – this is that we can keep pretending like it's not a problem to have no edge rush. It's a huge problem to have no edge rush. You can generate pressure other ways throughout the course of the game. Arthur Mallett can come get a sack. Mallett can come get a sack, and everybody can celebrate the fact that he got a sack against his former team. But at some point, when the game is on the line, one-on-one, you need to have a guy that can kick someone's ass. You know who's got that? The Steelers. And they won because of it. A lot of other things. But when the game was on the line and someone needed to make a play, they had the person to go make the play. They have two of them, in fact, because Highsmith is as well. We can keep pretending like it's not a problem. We can keep pretending like the Ravens haven't failed in this department because we don't want to address it or we don't want to deal with it or we can say things like, well, you can scheme pressure. Or you can do When the game is on the line, when the other team has four downs to go try to win a game, someone has to step up and win, and this team doesn't have that player until proven otherwise. And maybe at some point David Ajabo or Adafi Owe will become that guy, but we can keep saying this over and over and over again. They don't have it. They're going to need to trade for one, honestly. If Daniel Hunter's really on the market, if Brian Burns is really on the market, there's no messing around with this. Give up whatever it is? Yes. They need that guy for the long term because I no longer have comfort that they're going to be able to find one of these guys and turn them into it. Jaday Van Clowney's my number four. Non non factor in the football game. Um, yeah, that's uh I think that's that's a fair assessment. I didn't like because uh, I considered Javion Clowney. He was playing like coverage on a couple of those final drives at the end, and like that doesn't make any sense either. And I think that's I guess more coaching. Like, why is he when he is our our guy, uh, even though he wasn't that yesterday? Then why is he dropping back in coverage? Um, But so I went with another guy that does play coverage, and I thought was not good. Brandon Stevens, uh, again, like he gets beat a lot. I mean, I get George Pickens is beating a lot of people, but Stevens is you know. Over and over, his guy is open and, and makes catches. So I, I went with Brandon Stevens. You have, you have watched a different season than the rest of us have watched. That has not been the case with Brandon Stevens. Yeah, this year. I don't been. think he was great. No, I don't even know that I wouldn't say he wasn't great. I don't think he was even bad yesterday in any way. Like I think that Brandon Stevens had a good football game yesterday. But 
I, I, I this will this will be the new Patrick Queen I guess this so. year. This will be the I, new thing where Griffin clings to. Stevens has not played. I've well. decided this is who he is, and it doesn't matter what everyone else is seeing. This is what I've decided it is. It's very weird. Brandon Stevens has not played well. I'll never so. understand. That's not remotely true. It is. It's not close it to is. true. It's not even a cousin of the truth. But I, God bless it. This is the way we do these things. I'll never. I, I, I don't know if it's it's. I could probably get separation from him. No, you couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah. couldn't. God love, God love you. Uh, this uh, I don't. I wish I had more time because it was to turn into a, an eternal rant. But there is, I don't have the time for it today, unfortunately. Steven's number four. It's nonsense. Uh, my number three uh, for this week. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum goes there. You know, it it just can't happen. It can't happen under any stretch of the imagination. It cannot happen. Number three, Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, this is where I put Justice Hill. Um, for yeah, the fumble. I mean he looked he did look really good and up that's, until and the that's fumble, the, but the fumble is I understand the turnovers it. are so bad. I, I I understand it. It's from behind. He clearly didn't see it. Like I I this I, Justice Hill doesn't make my list, but it's because it is a theme as well. Ultimately, the guys that made my list, well, I'll, you'll get there. Let's just okay. keep going. Number two is Rashad Bateman, and he gets to speak for all of the wide receivers today because the other ones did more, right? Like the other guys that dropped the ball also helped. Mark Andrews actually had the most drops of everyone yesterday. Say Flowers, not only the drops, but then the falling down thing. Nelson Aguilar, that's inexcusable, but, you know, he had a pretty good football game. Rashad Bateman gets to speak for all of them because he's the guy that dropped the ball and didn't do anything else. So he gets that spot on the list, and everybody else gets reprieved from me because you'll you'll find out in a second. But number two is Rashad Bateman. Uh, so this is because I could not pick just one pass catcher. I went with uh, the wide receivers coach, Greg Lewis, on this one, just just to kind of you know point the blame at all of the pass catching. <laughs> it's uh, the coach's fault that they didn't catch the ball. If he needs to, if I mean, they're obviously they are professional athletes, but if he needs to be the one to tell them that you need another you know ten minutes on the jug machine, that jug machine better be on the plane right now. Over to London. This is a weird because I mean the the drops were absolutely horrendous. I agree. They were horrendous. Oh, how you're trying to put it on the wide receivers, coach? Well, they weren't ready. They weren't ready. I mean, they, they were not from the ready. opening drive. They were dropping passes. That's again on the players. The players dropped the ball. Well, when it's, when it is a theme across the entire position group, um, that's when I, I feel comfortable I, pointing I, pointing I, I, back I got, at the coach. I got nothing. So for, I went with Greg Lewis here. For, my number two. Because the drops were horrible. So, they were. <laughs> That's on the players. It's on the players and the coaches. Number one at that is point. John Harbaugh. Number one is you can't continue to be the team that fails when you're faced with adversity. Number one is oh, John. So you're gonna Harbaugh. hate me for this one. What? Lamar Jackson is the number. That, one. I mean, this is we gotta stop. Two turnovers in stop. the fourth quarter again. Uh, it, it, Griffin, I know. I, I know I, it's I, not I, on I, him. I, I, know, I know that. The, the, I love again, you. Thirty different things had to we, happen. We can't do the lists anymore. We can't. He turned do the it. ball over twice. The and if he was, was Griffin, if he was your number five, you could make that argument. Lamar Jackson's the only reason they had an opportunity to win the game yesterday. There was yesterday. about 10 guys that lost the game, Griffin, and he's the quarterback. So You're going to keep doing this and trying to make it make sense to you, but you can't, you can't keep it's making this It's on the quarterback when thing. they still had a it's chance to win the game. It's not on the quarterback. The quarterback played about as brilliantly as you could ask for, and then he threw a bad interception. There was and then he fumbled thing. again. That the fumble again comes from behind, and because somebody whiffs on a block. Yeah, that's I, not on Lamar Jackson. That you can't it get a still block. Still comes down to him at the very no, end. No, it doesn't come down to him at the very end. It comes down to a team that failed throughout the course of the game. And to make and a list and put Lamar Jackson on it, and not any of the wide receivers. Stop, stop, man! You're trying too hard to try to seem like you're smart. I I love you, but this ain't it. 
if you put him at number five on the list, it would still be a bad list because you didn't have any of the wide receivers on it. But at least you could make your argument. You could say, I know that Lamar Jackson has nothing to do with why they lost the game, but at the end, that was a really bad pick, and I've gotta, I want to beat him up over that. I would understand that. It wouldn't be the right answer, but it would be arguable to try to pretend like Lamar Jackson is the number one reason why they lost the football game yesterday is bat-ass bonkers. When they Galaxy still have brain. a chance to win the game, Griffin, the, the ball is entire in his game hands. is 60 minutes. You don't get to pick and choose which but he's one the quarterback in the game. And he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He was genius yesterday. It was effing a masterpiece from Lamar Jackson. And for whatever reason, none of the guys wanted to catch the football. You can't rewrite history and pretend like Lamar Jackson is the reason they lost the game. That's nonsense. That is such pea brain s no. that if a seven-year-old told me that, I would argue with them. It's bad. It is a bad understanding of a football game. He is not taking care of the football, Griffin. And it is. I. I th- and and there are again, there is forty guys that cost that ended up costing us the game. And and when he is the quarterback, that is the number one. This guy. is this. Then just tell me you can't make lists anymore. You can't just come back to the quarterback always is number one. You can't do that. You, you just. I, I don't know how to say this. If we can't do the segment, we just stop doing the segment. It's okay. Like, life will go on. We'll be all right. But you can't, I can't have this conversation with you, and then you say, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you're going to do the, I just want to put the quarterback at number one all the time thing, then we'll stop doing it. It's okay. If you can't do this, I need you to just say, I can't do this. I'm, I'm always going to be blinded by it. I, I, this is not. It only reflects on us when we refuse to actually talk about the game and just try to pretend like the story is Lamar. That's for the mouth breathers. That's for the dumbest of the dumb. Like, the dumbest people you know are the people that think yesterday was a story about Lamar Jackson. They're the the absolute bottom rung of football Twitter and Ravens Twitter. The dumbest people alive think that the story of yesterday's game was Lamar Jackson. And it doesn't mean that it's okay that he threw the pick in the end zone. It's not. That's not an acceptable interception to throw. It's a terrible play call. It's an ungodly play call. I, I, they called a timeout to put that play in, which, again, falls on John Harbaugh, which is why John Harbaugh is number one on the list. There's nothing wrong with criticizing when criticism is warranted. But to pretend like the story of the football game yesterday was Lamar Jackson is as small-brained as it gets. It is, I can't think, I'm just going to be emotional. And when I'm emotional, I'm just going to blame the quarterback and say, well, that's the way it works. When you're the quarterback, you get the blame. Then we can't do it. I mean, I, I... It's a bummer, because I'd like it to be a real segment. I'd like us to be able to have conversation and to, like, you know, actually break things down and to talk about the football game and to dissect things and not just to fall back to our our awful instincts. But we're gonna have to draw the line in the sand at this point. Like I, 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 I need to know moving forward whether you'll be willing to make actual lists and really look at the football game or whether you're gonna continue with this type of stuff. Because if you are, we just can't do it.
I'm, and, I'm, and I mean that. I, I love you, and I, and I want to be able to do this because we've done it for a very long time. And I, I guess it would just be that we would do mine on a listener list or something like that. I guess that would be the way that we would move forward with it. I don't want to exclude you from this. That's not my interest. But we have, this is the rubber meeting the road here. Like, it is. And I'm trying to be, this is part, like, radio bit and then part, like, you know, I am the director of programming here and, like, I, I've got to make calls. We can't do a segment if you're just going to keep saying Lamar Jackson because he's I the quarterback. I do think the quarterback is the most important then, position Then tell me field, you can't so, do it. So I, I'm not going to say I can't do it. But that's I think the, no, no, no. I'm telling you, you, don't, that's, you can't make that qualification any longer. I'm telling you, as your employer, you can no longer make that qualification. So if that's what you're telling me is I'm not capable of that, then we can't do the list. Like, that's it's where we are. Like, we've reached, this is not a, I get to do my millennial, like, I can talk my way out of it thing. I'm saying the rubber is meeting the road here. Either you're going to be able to drop that, or we can't keep doing it. You tell me which one. Ah, man. It's tough, because I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, try to defend things that I don't believe in. So if that means that you can't do the list, then say you can't do the list. Well, no, I mean, I can definitely do that. Like, you know, make a, make a list that I know in my heart is wrong. No, 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 no. This show. is you trying to do wacky shtick, and it's, we're done doing wacky shtick now. Like, we are really at rubber meets the road thing. Like, we have to be able to talk about the football game. We got to. It can't just be, I think the quarterback is always the way. I, you got to separate that, man. You can do that with your friends. You can do that whenever you want to be on Twitter, whatever you want to do otherwise. God bless. But on this show, we're not going to do the little brain thing. We're not going to do the, the Skip Bayless S. Like, we don't do that stuff here. You've got to be able to look at the football game or not. And if you can't, just say, I don't know, man, that's not for me. It's okay. I'm telling you it's okay if that's the way it goes. If you want to continue to do, like, the that type of stuff, and by the way, there's plenty of room for that. There are plenty. People will have great success just saying nonsensical things. But in order to do this segment, we collectively have got to be above that. So if if it, you know, you know, maybe we need to think about it for a day, and we can revisit it going into next week. But if this is going to be the, it's always just going to be. I think the quarterback. I think the quarterback. I think the quarterback. Then we can't make lists because there's nothing there. We're wasting breath. We're wasting people's time. We're not actually reacting to a football game. You're just saying it's always the quarterback. Well, then what are we doing? We already know the answer, but ahead, ahead of time. I, I don't know how to help in actually looking at a football game. If you think the story of yesterday's game was Lamar Jackson, like that's as bad as it gets. That's honestly, like in a world in which we fired people and like, you know, be, your ability to do this, you'd lose your job over it. Now we don't do that. That's silly. I'm not suggesting that. But to actually attempt to analyze, to call, say you're an analyst of a football game, and I think the number one reason why the Ravens lost yesterday was Lamar Jackson, you couldn't be an analyst anymore. Like, you wouldn't have the job. I mean, do you get that? Sure, yes. Like, yes. this is the way it goes. That's your shtick that you're projecting on something. And that's fine for every other aspect of your life. Like, everywhere else you want to go, do your shtick. Like, start another podcast to do your shtick. I'm, I'm encouraging that. And it might prove to be more successful than this. Because there's a lot of people that just like bad shtick. But for this, we can't do the shtick. For this, it's got to be analysis of the football game or we can't do it. Can we get on board with that? Yes. Had a little heart-to-heart -heart there. Had to have a little father-son father moment. 
It's the way it goes, man. We'll put them up still for this week at Glenn Clark Radio. Where's uh, What are we doing there? Um, I'm thinking we'll take a break. All right, no. we'll take a break. Yeah. And maybe we'll chat with Kadri a smile. Glad we moved everything around today. Glad we did that. Everything is coming up roses. What a fun day to be in Baltimore. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers, starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution, and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life. Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the higher edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come for a game, stay for everything else. 
Book an unforgettable fall getaway in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouthwatering eats, and endless entertainment. Treat yourself to a staycation in the heart of downtown or try one of the city's many charming neighborhood hotels. And don't miss out on packages for free parking, breakfast, and more. Plan your stay at Baltimore.org slash hotels. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. All right, back in here on GCR. One week from tomorrow night, the Tyus Bowser Show returns, and we are going to be at Mother's North Grill in Timonium with Tyus and a special guest. Hope that you will come join us. You can find out more, pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. It's all brought to you by Superbook, AJ Michaels, and helpmygamblingproblem.org. One week from tomorrow night, the Tyus Bowser Show. That's Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. Uh, let's uh, switch things up, man. It's been too long since we caught up with our next guest. He is, of course, former Ravens tight end and also part of the Believe in Ravens podcast. He is our friend, Mr. Dan Wilcox, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Dan, it's Glenn. It's good to catch up with you, man. I know you and your family have been through a lot in the last couple of weeks. Continue to think about you and love you, brother, and always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you so much, Glenn, man. I appreciate you having me on as usual, man. And I appreciate all the love and the condolences and everything, man. And um, I, I, we just going to keep on ticking and keep chipping around our way, man. Thank I, you so much. I know that's true, man. And I uh, truly love you. Always appreciate you, dude. Uh, that was tough yesterday, obviously. That was that was painful. Um, I, what do you make of a day? Like, how, do, how do we appropriately discuss a day in which everything spiraled out of control and it kind of all starts with just the simple inability to catch a football. Like, it, it seems so rudimentary. I, I don't know how to talk about it. It's it's not like I think any of these guys are guys that should be cut. Like Mark Andrews had three drops yesterday. He's one of the best players in all of football, right? Like, how does this happen yeah. that a day like this unfolds where no one can catch a ball? I think we just had an off day, man, and unfortunately it cost us a game, a game that we should have won and we shouldn't have lost and, you know, played against an opponent that was inferior to us. Um, it was one of those situations where I feel like it was, it was a contagious thing. Oh, my God, Mark dropped the ball? You know, oh, my God, Dre, you know, they drop a ball? You know, everybody's dropping balls, you know, Aguilar, everybody. You know, so it, just, it was Bateman. You know, it just became a contagious thing. You, and when that happens, you know, you got to pull each other together, man. Like, you know, Lamar got to pull them together and be like, man, I need you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really do. I need you. I need you guys to, to have my back and support me through this thing, man. I'm going to keep throwing the balls to you and keep giving you opportunities. And he did what the quarterback was supposed to do in that regard. He kept throwing the ball to his top guys and getting the ball in everybody's hands. And unfortunately, man, we just had a really off day or a bad day. So either that or Pittsburgh put some in everybody's drink. <laughs> at, at meal. Right. And somehow it, somehow it made like an ooze come out of their hands and they were no longer able to catch the ball. Dan, I feel like that like, they all can see. Right. They, they <laughs> um I feel like there is there's an issue that you can't define statistically and it dates back to last season and all those games at the beginning of the year where they had double digit leads and they blew them. And and we can throw in the Colts game. It's not like they had a double digit lead in that game, but Right. This team has had a tendency in recent years to to struggle when they deal with adversity. Like, for whatever reason, and it's it's hard to define, 
But when things start going the wrong way, they have struggled to stabilize in those moments. And I don't know how much of that is John Harbaugh. I don't know how much of that is on player leadership, right? Like, clearly, this is not the era of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Terrell Suggs, but a year ago, they had a Calais Campbell on the team. And, you know, you would think that Roquan Smith, Lamar Jackson, guys like that would would step up and be those types of leaders. What do you make of a team that, and Patrick Queen kind of let it fly afterwards. He was like, I'm sick of it. It's the same old story. And I get it. Like, it feels like at the moment, it's it's unfortunately kind of in their DNA of late, that when things start going the wrong way, they have not been able to get the tide turned and settle and and refocus. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a tough question, Glenn. Like, I, a lot of times, you know, stuff does roll downhill, right? You know, so... You know, if you think it starts at the top with Harbaugh and it just kind of comes downhill like that. But Harbaugh is usually tough as nails, man. And he's a he's a one thing I can say about him. He's always been tough and resilient and pretty much been the same guy. You know, whether it's, you know, Jekyll or Hyde, he's been those same guys from day one. You know, so when you see these when you see these type of things happen to a, a team or organization, it does make you scratch your head and wonder. And unfortunately, nowadays, you know, leadership is it's kind of hard to find, you know, it's not like it was, you're not, it definitely ain't like it was when Ray Lewis was at the helm. I mean, like you knew who team it was, you know, right now you would say it's Lamar Jackson's team. So it would be up to him to become the vocal leader. I would think when I think about who's, who's the predominant figure in Baltimore, hands down, it's Lamar, you know, so Lamar has to be the one to kind of take it upon himself to figure out a way how to leave or how, or how to lead or how to push these guys into the right direction. I mean, he made some absolute dime throws yesterday that was dropped that shouldn't have been dropped, and it was unbelievable to see. Like, if it's one thing you dropping passes and they all, you know, tough passes to catch, but he putting stuff on the absolute money. Like, he putting it in your pocket, he putting it in your face mask, he putting it right there in your chest, in your hands, and you're still dropping it. So, you know, it's, to me, it was just one of those days. It was just an off day. And it, it was contagious, and it happened to the entire team. But you're right in the past, like the Indianapolis Colts game, there's no reason why we should have lost that game. Right. And that dog, that dog game last year, that was very uncharacteristic of a Baltimore Ravens defense for us to lose a game like that. You know, so – and, you know, we, we're not we're, we're not scoring points. You never drop a ball in the end zone, the ball that Bateman drops. You know, you never drop a wide-open deep ball on the money, the one that Aguilar dropped. Yep. You know, and then the one that Zay Flowers had where he kind of lost his footing or whatever – you know, his his adjustment to that ball is pretty much like an uncharacteristic adjustment for him. You know, it might have been one of those balls. To me, it looked like he could have flipped his head around and maybe ran back underneath it and caught it over his left shoulder instead of his right. And he, he decided to back up, somehow loses his, his footing, stumbles, and fall backwards and falls short about three or four yards. You know, and the ball had time. He had time when the ball was in the air to adjust to it or whatever. So, it's just it's 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 a weird it's a weird game when you see things like this. You just feel like some kind of aura or something's over you and, and nothing's quite happening the right way and, and for some reason it's this funk or this fog and somebody has to be there to kind of shake the baby. Like, wake up, let's go. Uh, like get it together. Let's let's go. It really Dan Wilcox is with us here on G C R the Believe in Ravens podcast. Dan, what you just said, it, it feels like that. Like I it doesn't feel like there's a, a um, you know, you need to fire somebody. It just sort of feels like it, it's sleepwalking a little bit, right? Like that there's a, there's a switch that needs to be flipped. You believe you have the right players. Even if you want to criticize the offense yesterday, all you're really – I don't think the play calling was bad other than the, the throw to Beckham in the end zone, which is just – I don't I have no idea what that was uh, that led to the interception. That was, 
by Lamar. Yeah. It was a bad throw by Lamar. No question yeah. about that. Um, yeah. But, like, for the most part, it's all there. It's just you never gave yourself a chance yesterday. The plays were were drawn up beautifully. They had wide-open receivers, and the ball was just dropped. And I, I don't know what the appropriate thing is to say other than that can't happen, and moving forward, you, you're you not going to win football games if you put the ball on the ground like this. That's correct. I mean, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. I think it's – you know, it's one of the toughest games you're going to play all year. You know it's going to be a battle. You know it's going to come down to the wire. You know it's going to be, you know, a three-point victory or a seven-point victory. It's not going to be by much. You know, it, 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 never, it always ends that way. If you get those guys a chance to stick around, they're going to find a way. They always find a way to get a script, a script fumble, a script sack fumble, some kind of way at the end of the game to seal the deal. And it was like watching an old replay when I was there and it was James Harrison or, or James Foote or somebody, you know, or, or Foote coming off the edge or, or, or Worley or Woodley or somebody like that coming off the edge against us, you know, stripping the quarterback, ball hit the ground, you know, the one, of the, one of those guys either pick it up and return it for a touchdown or pick six for a touchdown. It's, it's always something in Pittsburgh, man, something about playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers <clears throat> that is going to be – a weird game all the way to the end of that game, and it's going to be a hard-fought, tough game. I did feel like we got a little bit more bullied when they ran the ball. The kid, the kid number 30 for Pittsburgh ran the ball extremely well against us. And I really thought Najee Harris was going to be their answer. Set Najee down pretty much. But then the kid number 30 for Pittsburgh just ran the ball all over us. And he, he was the hammer. We was the nail when he ran the ball. I didn't like seeing that at all. And I just felt like we let the game get out of hand. We let the game get away from us. You know, we had a blocked punt. You never get a – you get a blocked punt, you're supposed to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, and we lost. You know, so, I mean, it, just, it was all these different elements of the game that you saw that put us in bad situations that we was actually supposed to lose the game. You got a, you got an interception in the end zone, in the red zone. You drop a touchdown in the end zone, in the red zone. You don't score every time you get in the red zone. And then that last drive, I really felt like Lamar was about to be magical. You know, I, I felt, you know, he threw the deep ball. Um, the Zay Flowers, he calls the, he catches the, the deep ball. Then the very next play, he gets the scrap, the, the um, the strip fumble, and we lose the game, man. I mean, what do you, you know, what do you do in that situation? I don't, I don't really know. Like, you got to keep yourself from being there in the first place with a team like Pittsburgh, you know. But at the same time, it's like we had opportunities throughout the game to kind of put these guys away and not let them linger and hang around. But it was one thing after another, after another, after another, after another as the game went on. And it's shaped up to be a losing game for us from the beginning of that game to the end. Dan, the one area to me where I think there's – it's funny because I don't think it's the reason why they lost yesterday at all. But the one area that that it really kind of screamed at me yesterday, and it's something that we've been talking about around here for a while. At the end of the game, when the Steelers needed their edge rush to step up and make a play, as you just brought up, to win the game – they were able to get it. And I understand that T.J. Watts don't grow on trees. Like, you can't just come up with one of those. But they've got two of those guys that are game wreckers in the edge rush department. And when games are on the line and a team has four downs to go try to beat you, it feels constantly like the only way to win that game is to have an edge rusher go make a play. The Steelers got that. The Ravens, when Kenny Pickett got the ball back, who's not even all that good, and that offense right. got the ball back, which is one of the worst offenses in football – they couldn't Absolutely. generate anything as far as pressure, rush. Even when they went with a zero coverage all-out blitz, they couldn't make him uncomfortable. I, it feels right. like the biggest thing that's missing for this team personnel-wise, and they still they have to play better, but personnel-wise, 
I can't shake how desperate the edge rush situation seems to be and that if, you know, we've seen Eric DaCosta be aggressive at the trade deadline, I, it still feels to me very loudly like they absolutely must be in the market for whether it's Brian Burns, Daniil Hunter, anybody that might be on the market that's available. They have a huge need in that department. I absolutely agree with you. I feel like we're always one step away. And everybody else is one step closer than we are when it comes to edge rushing. I mean, and mind you, we've been really, really, really spoiled over the years. Sure. You know, with our defenses, you know, with the Peter Bowers, the Terrell Suggs, you know, all those guys, we've been really extremely spoiled from day one. You know, so now you get to a spot where you have so much talent and you have guys that you're hoping that's going to be that guy. And we just haven't had a breakout guy like that once in every 10-year generational guy as of lately. And you go get Jadavian Clowney, and right now he should be leading the whole league in sacks. You know, he's had so many pressures and so many missed sacks and, you know, grab the guy and the guy spins out and get out of it some kind of way. And we're just not finishing like the way we know, the way we normally would. And we're not striking the fear in people the way we normally would. A part of that is the way the NFL has changed and you can't hit people no more the way you used to. You know, but another part of that is that you can't touch the quarterback in ways that you normally used to be able to touch him. You know, now it's like, you know, you gotta you gotta be careful with everything, man. It's just it's so it's so crazy when you come off the pass rush. You gotta you really know where to place your shoulder, where you know where to place your helmet, where to place your hand. You know, you gotta be low enough. You gotta be can't be too high. You can't be too low. You know, it's it's, it's crazy. So it's kind of harder for those pass rushers to go be great. And then you see guys like T.J. Watt come around there and swipe the ball from Lamar, and you're like, why why we why can't we have that with all the guys that we have? And for some reason, man, we just can't get over the hump as of recently. And I agree with you 100%, Glenn. Like, you know, with all the injuries we've had, you know, the consistent injuries back to back to back to back, you know, even our running back, Dobbins, you know, just losing him for the year again. I mean, it's like, come on, man, again. I mean, just just like you're talking about this loss. Like, it's just we can't get past the hump. It, it just kind of feel weird to us. When it's just, every time we get go against any adversity, you know, we come up with an L. And that's how I feel like it's been with our players. Like, everybody keeps getting hurt. We can't stay healthy. We just get Marlon Humphreys back. We just get Mark Andrews back. Yeah. You know, we just got Dobbins back. Now he's out for the year. It's just it's one thing after another, and it's, and it's nonstop. And you feel like, whoa, it's me. You feel like you're complaining about it, right? And it's really just the reality of what's going on right now. It's the reality of what you see from day in to day out. We're, we're one step away every time we get to the quarterback. We're one step away from making a play on him, and he makes some kind of fantastic play down the field that, that makes you scratch your head. And, and – to be honest with you, man, it's the NFL. What this, else do you expect? No, you're right. NFL. I I know that's right, Dan. It just it just feels sort of like you were putting all your eggs in the basket of hoping that Owe and Ajabo could rise to that level this season. And I don't know if they had stayed healthy. Maybe maybe they could have, right? But here you are. Absolutely. And and I you know I I don't think you can just hope and count and say maybe we can scheme our way. When a game is on the line and somebody's got to make a play, you got to have somebody on the field that you trust is going to be the go- guy that goes and makes that play. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, if the Vikings are going to abandon ship because they're one and four. I don't know. I have no idea what the Panthers are. I can't figure them out whatsoever. Um, but with Brian Burns not being under contract moving forward, you have to ask the question. Man, I I mm-hmm. I would be I would be loudly on the phone with those teams <laughs> trying to figure out exactly what the cost would be to try to pull something off to get one of those dudes on this roster. Um, the, the problem is you end up getting rid of somebody that you you think 
may not get over the hump, and then as soon as you get rid of them, no, it's else right. It's this Zadarius this Smith, obviously, and and Judon. Right. Like, and that, it's also part of the frustration right. with this position, right? Is like looking around the league right. and seeing the number of guys that were here that have proven to be exactly what it is that this team could use right now. Like <laughs> that is right. That is sort of the tough part of that conversation. Um, you know, ultimately, I, I think the further removed we get from this, Dan, the more capable we are of saying, all right, like, I, I, I don't think this is panic. I, I think that this is not a bad football team. It's a football team that has lost inexplicable games, and they have to right that ship. But I, I don't think that this is a, a story of a team that we should be panicked about moving forward as much as they simply have to tighten up in these areas, correct? Right. Well then, you got to tighten up in these areas. You got to get some guys that's going to come in and and be extremely hungry, and want to go want to go be the best and want to go be great, and and go out there and just make play out the play. And it's hard to find that guy. I mean, I would love to have a Khalil Mack on our team right now. You know, that's the type of stuff that we that we're used to having. You know, those type of guys, the the um the the, the Aaron Donald types. You know, those are the guys we're used to having being one of our franchise guys on the D line and. You know, and we got we got plays. We got you know we got Patrick Quinn, Quinn, Queen, and um, we got Agent Zero. Yeah, right. Yeah, Roquan. I mean, they are just they're phenomenal. You got guys at linebacker, and we got one of the best linebacker cores I think in the entire league. And on the D line, we're strong and we do good. And you see guys making plays week in and week out. Man, we make plays. There's just not enough of them. It seems like it's never enough. And you can't really put it on the defense when it, when a team only beats you what ten to eight. That's fair. Well, what was the score? Uh, to say, I mean, it ended up being 17-10, but to your point, right, there's two points in there and and the yeah. circumstances. No, it's not on defense yesterday. I agree with you. It's on you didn't catch the football. Absolutely. We got to win. We got to win on offense big, man. And and this is now an offensive team to me. It's not a defensive team no more. But when we play, I remember Ray Lewis specifically saying, all y'all need to score is 21. If we score 21, we're going to win 16 games, you know? If you score 21 every game, we're going to win 16 games. They would not get 21. They did not get 21 yesterday. Yeah. It's a game that was very winnable, and we lost it on our own. They didn't beat us. We lost it ourselves. We gave that game to them. And I have people rubbing it in my face because of it. <sighs> I know there were some changes this year with the uh, Believe in Ravens podcast. You want to tell everybody about it? Sure, sure, absolutely. My man, Bo Smoker, is not with us no more. You know, we, uh, we brought in Kyrie Thompson and He's doing a, a phenomenal job as well, man. Um, of course, um, I've had death in the family. I lost my older sister, so I haven't been on there for like the last month. But we'll do our first episode again back together tomorrow, and we're continuing to grow, man. We're going to continue to grow as a as a podcast. We're going to continue to push it, and we're going to continue to push the limits, and we're going to talk about a little bit of everything, man. I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far this year, and we'll continue to make make it become one of the best podcasts out. Dan, uh, truly mean it. Love you. Love your family. And uh, I know it's been a, a rough time for you guys with your sister passing away. But um, uh, glad to have you back, brother. And let's make sure we, we catch up a little bit more during the course of the season. I always appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, dude. Absolutely. Same here, Glenn. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Former Ravens tight end Dan Wilcox with us here on GCR, of course, part of the Believe in Ravens podcast. I, I keep harping about those two names because – for different reasons, they're the two that feel the most logical, right? Now, I, I still don't know if I'm the if I'm the Carolina Panthers, why are you not just giving a Brinks truck to Brian Burns right now 
and saying, dude, we have so little going on here. We have to lock down one of the few things that does work. I, I don't get it at all. Now, the answer might be, hey, we know we should, but at the same time, we also recognize that this is kind of an unmitigated disaster. We don't have a first-round pick next year. This is one of the few areas that we have to try to, like, get some assets back. So, while well, it'd be nice to have Brian Burns, we we just sort of feel like it, it, you're saying it's rebuilding without being able to use the word rebuilding. This just doesn't, it's not a term you use in the NFL. I am befuddled. Like, and we were talking about it in the postgame yesterday when I brought this up. Rita's like, I, I don't think they're going to trade Brian Burns. I'm like, I get it. Like, I, why would you do anything but give that guy as much money as he'd ever possibly want? But at the same time, if you're looking at it objectively and saying, like, obviously the word was in the last couple of weeks they desperately wanted a receiver. Well, you got rid of that guy. Right? Like, you parted ways with your high-end wide receiver. So now how are you who's the team that's going to trade you a high-end wide receiver? Where Jerry Judy was the guy that kept being brought up, apparently the Broncos are not interested in moving Jerry Judy. Although I guess if this continues to spiral out of control, maybe they can change their mind on that, but why would it make sense for the Panthers in season when they're going nowhere to acquire Jerry Judy at Halloween? Like how does that help them to get a half-season a lost half season of Jerry Judy. If I'm the Panthers, I want draft picks. You're not doing it. Nothing's happening this year. Like, watch it. Flush it. I want assets. And Brian Burns is the one thing that you have that could net you some real assets on the open market. So, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I understand how that's going to play out, mm-hmm. but like I do think they're in a unique situation where as much as you would say just pay Brian Burns whatever he wants, then you're still in the same spot roster-wise that you are today without a first-round pick next year. There's so many problems in Carolina, I don't think they all can be solved by just the presence of Brian Burns. Now, I also think it's going to cost a... like I don't think you're getting Brian Burns for the lesser price, even if he is a pending free agent. And that's the difficult part, right? Like, it has to be that if you trade for Brian Burns, you're prepared to pay kind of immediately to make sure he doesn't get in the market. Because unlike a year ago when we could say, hey, you're giving up a second for Roquan Smith, but even if you lose him, you're getting a third round back, so it's only a swap of one round worth of picks. I don't think you can get Brian Burns for a second round pick. I I would think that the market for even... in I don't think there would be a shortage of teams that would both welcome Brian Burns and be happy to pay him what he's looking for in order to sign long-term, and so the cost of that would be significant, mm-hmm. right? Are you, you're willing to give up a first, though. If I know that I'm paying Brian Burns? Yes. Yes. It's the most glaring hole on the roster that exists. As far as meaningful things. like You can say the running back thing is a huge question mark moving forward because now you're no longer counting on J.K. Dobbins, but we know how the Ravens, like all other teams, feel about the running back position. As far as the roster on the whole, if you want to say second corner, you know, like I'll, I'll listen, but it's second corner. There's nothing at the edge rush that you can feel any ounce of confidence in about moving forward. Yes, we all want David Ajabo to become the player that we thought he was coming out of college. But 
We don't even know that you're going to see David Ajabo again this season. So at the end, when you get to the end of this year, no matter what the Ravens do, and you take stock of where they are, maybe we'll find out, maybe Zay, you know, Zay Flowers will not, maybe wide receiver will still be in the conversation. You hope. You at least have reason to believe that that can be ascending this year. But there is nothing to me that stands out about this roster close to as much as Ed Rush does. So if my first-round pick is going to be spent on another Adafi Owe or Brian, Burns, Brian yeah. Burns, I mean, how is this a conversation? I don't like trading first-round picks. Don't get me wrong, but this is the – it's like what I've, we talked about at the trade deadline with the Orioles and pitching. When you don't spend money on pitching, you have to pay a tax. When you don't have something on your roster, you have to pay a tax for it. So if that's what it takes – that's what it takes. I keep thinking how. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather not, but I would think that the market for Brian Burns would be quite robust. Like I think they would be a willing yes. a team that would be willing yeah. to pay that price. Um, the Daniel Hunter thing is is interesting in a different way. The Vikings are one and four, but yet all of those four losses have been by one possession, right? So maybe the Vikings walk in today and say we don't think we're as bad as our record indicates we are. Now, there's still three more games between now and the deadline, right? Because deadline is Halloween. Deadline. Oh, it's Halloween. Yeah. So, we got the so yeah, there'd be games this weekend. Two. Yeah, so There's three still three more, more games between weeks. now. And I don't know if the Vikings, maybe the Vikings bye week is in mm-hmm. there, right? Three more weeks of football, yeah. There's three more weeks of football here, just for the sake of the conversation. You all right over yeah, there? Like, did did, you, did you throw just, three uh, innings yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't have done much worse, I don't think. Yeah, than, he might not uh, have been able to do worse than Brian Bay. I mean, what, I was going to walk a guy? Like... I, you know, Steve Johnson and I ended up texting about this last night after game day. Um, I, he just asked me how I feel about how I how I felt about players being booed at home, and it's something that I've evolved on in my life. And I've talked about this. Like when I was younger, it was easier for me to do the hot take. Like you get paid a lot of money, you got to deal with it. Like these people pay their money, and then at some point, it was just like, look. And even then, like I, I was never going to be that guy. I, the only way you'll ever get booed by me is if you're Aubrey Huff, right? Like, if you disparage the city, the fans, the team, anything like that, then you should be booed. You should be booed. So Evan Neal. Uh, Somebody should walk around and boo you. Yeah, Evan Neal going after the fans. Like, you that's you get it. Now, Evan Neal, turn around, apologize, know. and let's see how he move, you know, handles things moving forward. Aubrey Huff never really ingratiated himself back with Baltimore. Like, he had about as half-hearted an apology as you'd ever hear in your life. Like basically, it was just like ah, you know, I was just, I was just joshing. Aubrey Huff, first of all, I, I, I'm proud of the stance that I took on Aubrey Huff once upon a time, because what a colossal jackass that guy has proven to be. Um, maybe not Kurt Schilling, but you know, if Kurt Kurt Schilling is probably the greatest jackass in the modern era history of baseball, uh, has anybody killed anyone? I mean, um, I don't know. You would think right. Pete Rose killed somebody, maybe. No, I don't. Th- I don't think we have any any proof of that. I don't think we have well, any. Just proof the way everyone treats him. Yeah. yeah all right. Um, anyway, anyway. No, so the Vikings, by the way, next week are at Chicago. So they do not have their bye. They are at Chicago, home for San Francisco, and at Green Bay. If somehow they come out of that two and wow. one, right? Like, and I, it's that's a lot to ask still of two and one, just because the two the Bears win- are good. We know the Bears are yeah, good. Bears, well, I don't know who knows what they are now moving forward. But the two winnable games on that list are both on the road, which makes it tricky, In division, right? Yeah. They're both division road games. 
So maybe they somehow come out of it going two and one. If they do, then they're probably not in the mood, right? Even at three and five, they probably say to themselves, we can't just abandon ship. But if they were to only win one of Chicago or Green Bay and lose the other two, and they were to be sitting there at two and six, then I think the appetite changes significantly for moving to Neil Hunter, who I don't know if you've noticed has six sacks already this season. Six. So I do think that's relevant moving forward for them. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think any team is really short of like a Chase Claypool situation. I don't think the Vikings are making a trade this week. I don't think that's happening. I guess if the Ravens wanted to blow them away with an offer for Daniil Hunter, maybe they could. But that doesn't make sense for the Ravens either, right? Like, they're not, they're never been the team that's going to just recklessly say, well, if it costs us an extra round in order to get three more weeks of him, we'll do it. I would argue maybe you should, because that's how bad I think the situation is at, at edge rush. His cap hits for the next two years are very reasonable. Next year's cap hit is 14-9. The following year is 7-4. Really? Okay. And yeah, that's man. that's part of why I think there's also going to be a market for Daniil Hunter, despite the fact that he's a little bit older, 28. Um, I think there would be a robust market for Daniil Hunter. And it might very well be that despite the fact that, you know, I think everybody would look at the two of them and say, I'd rather Brian Burns than Daniil Hunter. He's a little bit younger, right? Like he, But the friendly cap situation... Might make Daniel Hunter's cost probably well, yeah, it would make his cost higher, but it's still probably overall cheaper than Brian Burns. Well, then if yeah. you're if you're using both trade asset cost and real money cost, if mm-hmm. you're putting it all together, right, it's going to cost you more money to keep Brian Burns around. You have to pay him, you know, an astronomical number in order to keep him around. And that'd be four years at now, least. Daniel like- Hunter might also say, dude, if I'm getting traded. You're going to have to give me a new deal right now. Like, this might be my last chance. I don't want to be a 30-year-old hitting free agency. Mm-hmm. I might tell you, if you're moving me, you got to go ahead and get that done immediately. Now, that that seems a little bit off kilter. Like, that seems you still have two years left on your deal. What are you going to do, not show up in the middle? You're just going to mm-hmm. quit in the middle of the season? I don't know. And hopefully it's the kind of thing where if the Ravens do it, you know, they meet him halfway and give him an extension. You right. Know, you say, hey, look, man, we, November, we can, we can make yeah. something work to give you another year or two. But th- this is where my focus moves moving forward to these two guys. Like my focus, I'm starting to pay attention to news stories coming out of those cities because I, and I, I love Femi and I got after it yesterday. Like I know I, the story yesterday wasn't about the edge rush. I understand that. That's why... Not that I really want to revisit our last segment. That's why Jadavion Clowney shows up at number four on my list and not at number one. The story of yesterday was not the Ravens' edge rush, but the story of the roster. There's one area on this team that screams at you, not good enough. Yesterday, the receivers weren't good enough. They're going to have to be better. But on the whole... I think we have reason to think they can be better. What reason do we have to think this group of edge rushers can be better? What is that predicated upon? It's the number one thing. And the 
disparity, the juxtaposition of what happened at the end of the game could not be louder. I'm going to be thinking about it for significantly between now and Halloween. This is the thing. This is this is kind of it. They've got to improve in this department somehow. Because not every game, and it's what I said yet, yeah, like we can do, you know, go back and look at yesterday and say the story's not about the edge rush. But there could be days moving forward where the offense plays incredibly well. And yet, for, let's say the Lions in a couple of weeks, for whatever reason, the defense just can't slow down um, an impressive Lions team. And you're talking about a game that's more like 31 to 28 late. And same scenario, you need one guy. Not to be schemed home. You need one guy to just go win his matchup and alter a drive, take a second and 10, and turn it into third and 18. That's the thing, and I am obsessed with it at this point. Is there anybody else that could be out there that I'm not thinking about? Is there any other... You know, like edge rusher whose circumstances could make it so that he could end up being on the market that I'm just not thinking about for whatever reason. I don't. I, mean, yeah, those I guess Chase Young, right? I guess we still have to bring in Chase yeah, Young Chase into this. Young con- I, God, I don't know why I blanked on Chase Young. Chase Young is in this conversation for sure. I, man, that's on. That's my fault. I don't know why I always leave Chase Young off this list. I guess because he hasn't accomplished as much as the other two guys have accomplished, right? So we still have some questions about Chase Young on the whole as a football player, whether those other two guys are, like, superstars. So maybe that's the reason why we don't bring up Chase Young the same way. Um, Chase Young has three sacks this season. He's been, I think, better than we had seen of Chase Young, right? And he missed a game, didn't he? Didn't he miss a game and he still had three sacks? Maybe I'm wrong, making that uh, up. Chase Young. Chase Young. On, I can pull up Chase Young's stats. Chase Young this season has played in four games. So, yeah, they, they he missed a game. Missed a game, and he has three sacks. But he's healthy, it appears. I, and in Washington, that's a tougher conversation to have because I think we know. Like, I think Washington is more inclined to chase even if they're bad just because of new ownership and, like, hope and all of that. So I'd have to... I don't know how bad it would have to get for them to be able to give up. They've lost three straight. They're at Atlanta, at New York, and home against the Eagles over the next three weeks, which on paper is the next two weeks are not overwhelming, but they're not, I don't think, going to be favored in either of those games on the road, even against teams that we're not all that high on. I think they're going to be dogs in all the next three. If they get to two and six, you know, maybe they are in a different place, and they are having that conversation again. If they're three and five, if they somehow figure out a way to win a game, I definitely don't think their ownership. They're desperate to try to prove that there's a there there. Also, I would assume that Ron Rivera's job is at stake. Right. And I would think that Ron Rivera would be pretty livid about the idea of trading away, trading away top defenders. Right. When players. Like, when my job is at stake moving forward. If they get to three and five, I don't think there's a chance in hell. Whereas if they get to two and six, I think there's a real chance Ron Rivera gets fired at that point. And then they could sort of acknowledge, hey, we got to start making moves. But that's 
probably the third name on the list, right? Like it's probably Burns, Hunter, and Young. You could reach. I mean, I'm firm. reaching for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm reaching for Max, Max Crosby just because. The I don't Raiders know what his bad. yeah I don't know what his reality is. Um, he's on a he signed a four year deal in March 2022. Yeah, so that. Um, so he's under like contract through 2026. You're right that they're bad. Obviously, <laughs> now tonight probably plays like if they yeah. somehow figure out a way to win tonight, then all of a sudden they're two and three, right? Like I, your point is if is there a point where it gets brought up if they get to one? I I just don't. I don't know, man. They would have it is different to me than the Panthers because the Panthers don't and have his a, cap hit is massive. So that might that but, that could But be they the, the thing you can say about all these teams is their quarterback situation moving forward is unknown. Right. But Washington's got a first round pick next year. You know, Minnesota's got a first round pick next year. Vegas has a first round pick. So it's easier for them to say we think we can come away with our quarterback. Carolina's got a quarterback. We maybe. I, I don't feel great about him. Need, him, need him to survive too. He hasn't. What do you mean? I mean, he just gets hit a lot and. Oh yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> there's a real chance that that ends up going down as a terrible. But they they're not going to be able to abandon ship after this year with Bryce Young. Right. Like you can't give up on it. I know the Cardinals gave up on Josh Rosen after one year, but that's because Kyler after paying him. But that's also because they had the number one pick the following year, right? It was a unique circumstance they were in. Um. Carolina's not going to be able to give up on Bryce Young. I just think that not having a first-round pick makes the conversation much different for Carolina. We're like, they have a lot of needs and not a lot of assets to use in order to help those needs. So I think that's why Brian Burns becomes... I, if you're the Raiders, I think you probably operate around, well, we try again to get a quarterback next year, and if we find if we're able to draft a quarterback that we feel good about, then we don't think the roster is dreadful necessarily we think that there's just probably a lot of good pieces here and if we could just have a quarterback then we have a chance I don't think the Raiders get to a place where they're looking to move Max Crosby right yeah and I don't think so but I get it I mean I understand he's a he's a good player on a bad team it's certainly worth mentioning all right oh we're doing this we're doing this bit again it's 12 22 we still have to take another break we do yes piss piss all right well, grab a break. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit, and we will get two bit or wind things down. You want to tell everybody what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel really quickly? Yeah, maybe you uh, didn't get Maryland at plus 20. You got them at, you know, plus 17 and a half during, you know, the day of, uh, like me, and you waited too long. So, uh, and you're a loser. So, if luck wasn't on your side, like right. me. If you got them at plus 17 and a half, they covered. Maryland? No. Yes. No. Wait a second. What Maryland lost by 20. Oh, they lost. Sorry. I'm, yes. doing, the, I'm doing it the opposite way. My yeah, fault. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, not going to yeah. bet against Maryland. Yeah, I'm like, Come wait a on. second. That's right, because you picked Ohio yeah. State, so you thought. Yeah, exactly. Right. It would have been genius. Yes. Uh, well, no. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, because they are turning those losses into winning opportunities with the second chance to win promotion. Between now and January 4th, 2024, all Live Casino and Hotel Maryland rewards members will be able to enter their losing bet slips into the second chance to win drum in two nights a week. 20 different winners will be chosen prizes ranging from live casino and hotel Maryland apparel, sports and social ultimate happy hour prizes, cash and free play worth up to $500. Drawings will be held every Thursday and Monday at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Uh, Adirondack Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, when we come back in, tidbit and tubular, Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership of Press Box and Great Ace Memorabilia. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, October 17th at Mother's North Grill in Timonium. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports and AJ Michaels. And if you or a loved one have a gambling problem, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. What company has the expertise to make your home healthier by purifying your air and killing all viruses, allergens, and bacteria? AJ Michaels, heating and air conditioning in Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com. The Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring with competitive salaries, including for experienced police officers starting salaries between over $68,000 and over $82,000 based on your prior service time, accepting up to seven years of service times with only six weeks in the academy, minimum of two years prior experience. And police cadet starting salaries at over $32,000 must be between the ages of 18 and 20, but you can apply starting at 17 and a half. Must have a high school diploma or GD equivalent at the time of the hire, U.S. citizen at the time of the hire, and a valid driver's license. So if you have a passion for service and want a career for life, now is the time to join the Baltimore County Police Department. Call 410-887-5542 or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. 
All right, I want to touch on something really quickly from uh, Michael in the Facebook comments this morning. Said Mateo was on fire yesterday. Bad to see the Orioles lose, but yesterday made all those that attacked Mateo this year look foolish. He did look good, really good yesterday. I hope you're watching. This will be lost to people in the loss, not noticed, but it is a big thing. Mateo has always been a key component to this team with his speed, defense, key hitting moments, and showed that again yesterday. If the Orioles succeed and win the series, look for Mateo to be a big reason why. Mateo is ready. Get him in the lineup with Hicks again. They are ready and hot right now. Do, do you want to do it? you want me to do it? How do we? I'm glad that Jorge Mateo had a good game yesterday. You know why Jorge Mateo was in the lineup yesterday? Because he's actually hit lefties all season. Jorge Mateo splits against lefties, where that all season long he hit 276 against them, which is not overwhelming. He didn't murder lefties this year, but he was a competent hitter against lefties this year. You know what he hit against right-handed pitchers? Probably maybe once. 178. 178. Who's starting game three for the Rangers? Uh, a righty. There would be absolutely no justification for Jorge Mateo to be in the lineup on tomorrow night. We, we, we just can't say things because we want them to be true. It was smart to play Jorge Mateo yesterday because you were facing a lefty. It made sense. It would make no sense for Jorge Mateo to be in the lineup tomorrow. If you just don't want to believe that these things are real, God bless you. I don't, I don't know what to say. I get it. There was an era we didn't think about these things. We kind of convinced ourselves the guys were just baseball players. We have a mountain of evidence. You're just spitting in the face of fact. Jorge Mateo was in the lineup because he is a competent player against lefties. The Orioles moving forward will have to... Jeremy brought this up earlier. They will have to figure out if they can be a team that can have as many part-time players on their roster. Maybe Jorge Mateo, in a world in which you clear out some of the depth at the, the infield, you could always try to find a roster spot for as a guy who can hit lefties and provide you something with speed and defense off the bench, right? Like, maybe... If this offseason you use Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, to go out and upgrade, you know, your pitching or something like that. Yes. And all of a sudden, yeah, I, I get it. But all of a sudden you look around and you say, well, it's not as crazy loaded as we thought it was. Presumably, your infield next year is some combination of Jackson Holiday, Jordan Westberg, and Gunnar Henderson. But if you don't have to worry about these other dudes, maybe there still is room on the roster for keeping a Jorge Mateo. Like, maybe there really is. There's no justification of him being here next year over Norby or Ortiz. But if you clear those guys out, and to your you know reaction, Griffin, I'm, I get it. Like, what is the point of them continuing to be a triple-A? I would rather you be using if you're not going to have them on the team. Then they use like them. winning those uh, those AAA. They did win a AAA so. championship. They've got that going for them, which is nice. Um, if if you can use them, then I I think that there could be a place for understanding what the limitations of Jorge Mateo are, but that even within those limitations, if he doesn't ever hit against righties, or hits quite rarely against righties, he can still be a beneficial piece to a roster with better everyday players. I can listen to that. But we're just saying things when we say, well, Jorge Mateo is going to be the reason they get back in the series. You can't start Jorge Mateo against a right-handed pitcher. 
You should be shot to the moon if you think, well, he got four hits yesterday. He better be in the lineup tomorrow. This guy's going to be feel very vindicated when if when this goes to a game five and they have to start Montgomery on a Friday right, night right. and then Mateo's in the lineup. Could they turn around? I guess I'm doing the math on that. I guess they could turn around and start Montgomery. I mean, yeah, I mean it'd be, you'd, be pr- you'd be pushing it, though. It would, oh, no, no, yeah, no he, he started to Friday. Sunday yeah. to Friday. Yeah. Uh, so, pretty normal rest. No, nah, that's not normal rest. Well, it's it's if that's it was four a five day, day If it was a if you had a five man rotation, like yeah, okay, fine, that's true. I guess that's true. I guess that would be normal. God, Sunday to Friday, I forgot. There's two days. You're right. I did that yeah. math wrong because there's second off day. That is, that's normal rest. Yeah, but they're still not gonna start Jorge Mateo against Nathan Ian Volpe. No, no, that's not going to occur. That would be m- managerial malpractice. Correct. Yeah. At the highest level. And God, what are we talking about? That would be something. Well, he's hot. Yeah, right? Like, let's just throw it out there. Maybe it'll carry over, and he'll do the thing that he didn't do at all this season. I guess. I I did ask Steve Johnson if we're at a point. God, it it pains me to talk about Cedric Mullins. It pains me in my soul. Because we all know the truth. The Orioles are not here without Cedric Mullins. But it's not – it's beyond bad. It's been non-competitive. Like, it's been – painful to watch of late are we at a point where like and i've always said all along no matter what cedric mullins has to be in the lineup because what he offers as far as his range in his center field is just so overwhelming you can't make up for it but has has the pendulum moved to a point where it's so bad that you almost have to think about taking cedric mullins out of the lineup altogether I I don't I don't know I don't I I wish that when he came back they had just put him right back at the leadoff spot like I feel like that I don't know how much that impacts you know I guess where I mean I it probably doesn't because you know they're professional baseball players um but or it shouldn't anyway. right, right 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 and and like even when he was hitting late in the lineup uh lower in the lineup he was still coming through with big hits mm-hmm. like when he first came back and when he stayed at the bottom of the lineup that's I don't know I guess. I mean, maybe maybe it, it is smart because he hasn't been hitting. So yeah, but at the same time, I also think that part of it is you like having different guys at different places in your lineup. You Going don't right, necessarily right, left, right, left. Yeah, yeah, right. It's so painful. And Steve Johnson argued against it. Said no, you can't do that. This is you, you got to ride with the guy with the guys that got you here. You can't suddenly abandon ship. It's so bad, man. Like I I and it, it pains me to my core. Like that. This is not me having old feelings about Cedric Mullins. This is knowing this team isn't here without Cedric Mullins. I'm I'm not. He's in the lineup. If it's I I think and I don't think they'll take him out of it. I don't like I don't uh-huh. think Brandon Hyde would do it, but I think the conversation is warranted because it's been that bad and that non-competitive. Like I I don't know what's wrong and it it hurts me. It hurts me to see it happen to Cedric Mullins. But, man, it's bad. And, unfortunately, like, you know, kind of lingers over you moving into next season as well. I'm not saying Cedric Mullins isn't your everyday center fielder next year because, again, it's not affected his defense whatsoever. But there there was a time where I thought you were thinking about extending Cedric Mullins. Now it's we got to see him be Cedric Mullins again to even have the conversation. It's that's rough. That's rough. All right, let's get a tidbit. 
Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I got to see history yesterday. Oh? As Corey Seager became the first player in uh, baseball history (sighs) to get walked five times in one playoff game. So... Could have been six. Yeah. He actually swung at ball four, obviously, in his what was his fifth at bat. Yeah, yeah, was it? Was it his first? Yeah, yeah, it was his, his fifth, fifth at bat. Yeah. He, uh, popped, he popped out. When he came up the sixth time, and literally on the scoreboard it says, walk, 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 walk. And we were like, couldn't believe he got walked again. Yeah. Uh, Jamar Chase, he is now the fifth player in NFL history with 15 catches and three it's Marshall touchdowns. Falk and Jerry Rice. Yeah. Um, yeah, you would be right. Yes, uh, Jerry, one, of, one of those. Jerry Rice is on this list. <laughs> Can you name, By the way, you I, if you're looking for something positive uh, today, like if it's just been kicked, Maryland basketball picked to finish third in the Big Ten preseason polls. So. Should be first. <laughs> you're mad about that? Yeah. God. Could this week get worse? Jesus. Uh, do you want to try to name the other three with oh. 15 catches and three touchdowns? 15 catches, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase, Jerry Rice. Uh, Julio Jones. Not Julio. I didn't want this to be the tidbit, so I was going to kind of give it to you. Oh, well, you uh, tell me. Do you want me was, to guess or not? It was 2020. Now, this is a pretty good one, It though. is a good one. All right, all right, then we can make this, and I can save, Yeah, I, I mean, guess, my other ones, because they're good. Uh, uh, Randy Moss. Uh, not Randy it's Moss. It's the sheer number of catches. It's the pro- yeah. Antonio Brown. Not Antonio Brown. Wes Welker. Not Wes Welker. Uh, Andre Johnson. Not Andre Johnson. I'll give you the, you want me the years for. So it was a 2020. Okay. Someone did this. Tw- 2000. Someone did this against the Ravens. And then in 1998, 1987. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. Yeah. The I do. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but that does smell right. Yeah. 15. It was 15. Three. Yeah. He went for 291. Yeah, it was a. But the Ravens won the game. They uh, they won the game. It was that was the Tony Banks game in week. Uh, that was week one, I think. Week was it week one or week two? It was. Uh, maybe it might have. Been. It was September tenth, two thousand. So. Yeah, but didn't they start the season on yeah, Labor Day back then? Yeah, it yeah. was week two. Yeah. Thirty nine. Oh, it's a very famous game in Ravens history. Thirty nine to thirty six. And you thought that was what the Ravens were going to be. That's the hilarious part. Is like we always think about that game as like the Ravens announcing themselves. And they let up thirty six points the rest of the. Oh, I don't know that they did let up thirty six total points the rest of the year. It's wild, man. Like we thought that game gets brought up constantly as being like the day that the Ravens announced their presence, and yet it was not at all a foretelling of what was to come for that they team were, this they season. Around twenty three seven and a half. It's it was a wild Jack, a wild wild game. Uh, Tony Banks, Tony Banks was a hero that day. Like Hollis had a hell of a game. The kicking. Jaguars kicker. Yeah, and Tony Banks yet was not the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. This within was a few Matt Gay like. All right, so the other one was in 2020, you said? Uh, Yes, 2020 and in 1987. 2020 and 1987. Art Monk. Not Art Monk. Uh, He was a Seahawk for his entirety of his career. Seahawk for the entirety of his career. This was towards the end of it as well, which was... Was Steve Largent still with the Seahawks in 87? I would have thought his career would have been over. He played 10 games in 1989. That was his final. Wow. I thought, man, I did that math wrong. All right. And then 2020. Yes. 2020. 2020. Uh, It's a show on ABC. Cooper Cup. Uh, Not Cooper Cup. 
still somehow Larry Fitzgerald. Not Larry Fitzgerald. DeAndre Hopkins. Not DeAndre Hopkins. You got the division right. Oh, I had the division right. Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett. Really? Went for. Uh, this is the Seahawks in these yeah. games. That's went for wild. fifty. Yeah, yeah. Seahawks. Uh, Fifteen for two hundred and three touchdowns against the uh, Cardinals. How about that? Back in twenty twenty. How about that? All right. Very good. And then, uh, and then two more that I needed to give to you. Since uh, so, so Gunner, he became the third Orioles rookie to hit a home run in the playoffs. Uh, Cal Ripken. No, oh, they didn't Cal make the playoffs Ripken. in eighty two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, rookie, rookie. Manny Machado. Manny Machado in twenty twelve. And fellow 2012 rookie. Scope? Not Jonathan Scope. This was a rookie in 2012. <laughs> oh, this is a little bit know, of a head gonna, scratcher. Yeah, you're not going to. Ryan I'm, Flaherty hit Ryan, a home run. Yeah, Ryan of course Flaherty, he did. Game four. Or, yeah, did. I think it was, it was either game three or game four yeah, of the ALDS. Um, and then Lamar now has 11 turnovers in the fourth quarter or overtime of one score games mm. in the last which is the most in the last 3 seasons. Fire him of any quarter. He's got to go. He's got to go. Ed, I mean, I it totally s- you're totally justified now. You've completely I'm not, no. I'm not trying to justify myself. Uh second on the list is Taylor Heineke with 9 and then Justin Herbert has 8. Okay. How about that? How about that? I wouldn't do it for the record. I mean, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't throw that ball. Jesus. I have no idea what the thought process, the entire scenario was. I don't know why they were throwing on second down. I don't know. I don't get I don't it. know why Joey Porter is not playing more. That's a fair question. The Steelers. Right? It's a fair <laughs> like question. The, like. it's a, I don't know. I don't know. And why Jalen Warden doesn't I, get every I, carry. I also have no idea why you think that Odell Beckham should be the target of it. Like, this this, this comes off like Buck Showalterian, yeah. like at this point. Like just, Buck, put a, but just put Mark but, Andrews but, out wide. And, uh, Rashad Day, but like Buck Showalter was the guy that always thought somebody was what they were when they were their best. Like, Jim Tomey arrived in Baltimore. Buck Showalter was like, I've got Jim Tomey. Like, no, you don't. You've got the the bastard, you know, version of Jim Tomey. <laughs> at Jim the. Tomey. The end of his career, like Odell Jim Beckham. Jim Tomey, what are you talking about? Odell Beckham is not that guy anymore. I'm just doing a bit. Now it was also a bad ball bag. It was all of it was bad, 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 bad. All right, Tubular is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. The hiring event coming up on September 28th, Saturday, September 28th, at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Chopper Road in Towson. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com to find out more, or you can give them a call 410-887-5542. If you're thinking about a career in the Baltimore County Police Department, you can go through the entire process. Go through all of it right there. Written test, agility test, the whole thing. And also for the rest of the community, it is a just a great way to get your kids out. Get them some candy in a safe environment. Get them in their costumes. It is a trunk or treat to boot. So, again, Saturday, October 28th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. Yeah, Packers, Raiders, so yay. Um, there's also, first. God, this was one of the ones that game, games that the Mannings agreed to work. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, it's... There's nothing there, dude. There yeah, is nothing. Really. Well, there. I'm glad that they are doing it, so I can I have something to I'll, I have a reason I'll, to watch. I'll watch baseball. I guess there, yeah, baseball. ABC, ESPN, and ESPN two eight fifteen. TBS for game two: Phillies, Braves at six o'clock. Zach Wheeler and Max Fried, and then uh, Diamondbacks, Dodgers game two at nine. Zach Gallen and Bobby Miller. Boy, Clayton Kershaw. Oh my god, that was. So you should have seen the parlay I made for that game. It immediately got blown up. I bet. Uh, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Women's Basketball Media Day is underway right now, 9.30 a.m. It started 
NBA TV for a, an exhibition between the Spurs and Thunder at 8 o'clock. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Mm, not really. Arnold Schwarzenegger is still doing the late-night stuff. He's with Colbert tonight. And then on Hulu, part of Huluween, uh, is a new movie called The Mill, which has uh, Lil Rel Howery, and it is in. I it looks it looks pretty it looks pretty scary actually. He's a guest on this program once. Lil, Lil Rel Howery. Howery. He really? did a really great. They had a show called I think it was called Friends of the People on True mm-hmm. TV, and it was excellent. And he did an excellent uh, Ray Lewis impression. Really. On the show, so we invited him on uh, to talk. It was like, ah, God. Well, this is a very serious role for him okay. in this one. Um, but he, I don't know, it looks really creepy. Like, he gets, like, locked in, like, this cage, this dungeon, essentially, and he has to push a mill or die. And uh, it's... All right. The way it, it the way the trailer was very creepy. I'm not doing it justice for it, but it's on Hulu. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thanks today, too. Is that good? Are we, are we good? Yeah, are we yeah, done? that's it. That is All it. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Thanks to Dan Wilcox. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Gabe Lax. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, on the program tomorrow, Carl Ravitch is going to join us uh, before he calls Game 3 for ESPN Radio. Uh, Joe Serpico will, of Joe course, Serpico. join us. We'll preview Waiver Wire Wednesday and stuff, stuff and things. things. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel, the Maryland Five Star, A.J. Michaels, the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook Sports, Hartford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday night. Do we care about anything tonight? No, Duke sucks.